Hi everyone and welcome to First Rank Fire. This is a podcast that gives me a chance to chat with some of the coolest people from around the 40k community. I'm your host Ben and in today's episode we'll be chatting with one of my personal hobby heroes and probably one of the first people that I watched when I came into Warhammer. Uh, he's got to be up there with probably one of the most recognisable people in the hobby for both his <laughs> face and his voice. Um, I think anybody that, that has tabletop tactics on in the background will know when Chef's on. And yeah, he's, he's I'd, I'd probably say he's helped hundreds if not thousands of people improving Warhammer, enjoy Warhammer and get through their painting backlog as, as they're sort of watching TT behind the scenes. And yeah, welcome to Show Chef. Thank wow, you. thanks very much. That was a, uh, an astounding intro. Thank you. <laughs> right. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate your, your time. It's, uh, it's it's definitely a pleasure for me. Like I say, you were kind of one of the... I think you might have been the second... Uh, channel that I watched. I think Mini Wargame was like the first, and then Tabletop Tactics yeah. was like the second channel that I, that I ever watched when coming into Warhammer. Yeah, well, I think they were they were definitely the the, the first of, of everyone uh, Mini Wargaming. But uh, yeah, no, I mean it's it, it's interesting as well because you've got loads of people that have sort of said very similar things, like to me personally, or in our inbox or anything like that. But, yeah. Oh yeah, like you know, like you guys have got me into it, or you guys have really helped me learn it. So, but it's always very funny to sort of hear it in person so to speak <laughs> yeah i can imagine yeah definitely okay i'll crack straight into the questions yeah so, no absolutely first one i always start with is what got you into warhammer uh so it was my little brother actually okay so he uh was gosh how long ago now he would have been he must have been seven because it was 2001 and okay. it's probably a story that everyone has heard which is 2001 Fellowship of the Ring came out. Games <laughs> Workshop released a bunch of models. It was a glorious day. <laughs> and he was actually uh, playing it with uh, his friends. And uh, we were in town one day, uh, just me, him and my dad. And he was like, oh, I want to pick up some more goblins. And we went in and I saw the third edition box set, Black Templars on the front. And I was like, I need this in my life. <laughs> Father, buy this for I didn't say it quite like that. I was just like, Dad, can you buy this for me? You're like 10 years old at this point, 11 years old. And then, yeah, and then it just kind of went from there. So that sort of, yeah, so my brother got me into like going into a games workshop. Um, yeah, just went in on a Saturday afternoon and walked out with, with the, the third edition starter set. And then incidentally, I got him into playing... 40k okay um because he saw me playing 40k and was yeah. just like i want to play as well and then i started playing lord of the rings with him and we both started fantasy at the same time nice uh old world fantasy one other fantasy battle and then yeah it's just sort of it's just something that um that we did when we were kids for years and years and years and then i went to uni and stopped doing it because university Yep. There's far more important things to do at university, <laughs> like going out and studying. Cheap drinks. Yeah. I, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, but then I got back into it because I, I studied in Southampton and I got back into it going into the Southampton store after I graduated because I stayed on for a few years oh, okay. um, in Southampton. And, um, and then I've not stopped since. So, yeah, it's sort of, I mean, gosh, what? Taking out the four-year gap, I've been playing for, what, 18 years now? That's, that's pretty so good. It's, yeah, that's, that's not bad. Pat my back, as they say. So Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah. How did you get into it then? So I played fantasy probably, it's 
can confuse anybody that doesn't doesn't live in the UK. You've got probably around sort of year seven, year eight. Mm-hmm. So around sort of 12, 13, something like that. Yeah. Played for a few years, my friends there. So I picked up Orcs, played Orcs for, for quite a while, classic Orcs with the um, the Black Orcs and, yeah, like the old chariot with wars on and stuff like yeah. that. The coolest, coolest models. I absolutely love those. And then, yeah, I stopped probably about sort of halfway through secondary school. So I didn't play for that long. And then I took a huge gap, and it was only at the start, just before the start of eighth, I was at work, and someone, one of my friends at work, was just like, "Oh yeah, like eight's coming out. I'm gonna like rejuvenate my nids and and start playing properly again." I was like, "Wait, Warhammer? What what is this? I didn't <laughs> didn't realize this was still a thing, really." Yeah, I'd, I'd sort of seen it. Eight, didn't they? Yeah, I think it was a really good addition for it because I'd heard sort of fairly bad things about seventh, and I'd, I'd never forty k was never something I'd, I'd really done. I'd seen it in the shop and things like that. But it was never something I was interested in, hadn't really looked at any of the law, anything like that. And the only reason I really got into it was because the people at work who we ended up playing, having a gaming group with, they were all, they'd all done 40k. So none of them ever done fantasy. So did I was you, like, uh, Did you ever want to get back it? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking at that sort of time frame, then that would have been when Sigmar kind of kicked in. So did you look at Sigmar then and go, mm-mm? Oh. No, I, I quite like I quite like Sigma. I, I quite like the. I, I really love the models. Some of the models yeah. are so awesome. Um, it's just the fact that I'd never had anybody to have a game with, and so it was kind of that. It was going always going to be limited, so it's going to be really expensive to not be able to do a big part of the hobby. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, went down the forty k route, and I've not picked up Sigma or anything fancy. So I, I'm still tempted to, but I've got like three forty k armies that I indulge in. You're busy okay. enough. <laughs> yeah, I've got a dog. I've got a little one. I've got a, a full time job. Yeah, Sigma yeah. and and forty k. Still, none of them play Sigma. I haven't tempted them any any of them yet, but maybe one day. One day. <laughs> yeah, I see what orcs come out for for fancy. Yeah, and yeah. looking forward to seeing that. If we bring out some of the like the old or bought bought boys, then I'll be pretty much straight back on that train. Yeah, especially if it's like the first thing that you. That like got you into it. It's like because my first army was Black Templars because that was what was on the third edition box. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm 11 years old. Black and white. That seems really <laughs> easy. Bit of silver on the gun. <laughs> Jobs are good. And so when they released the new Primaris Templars, I was like, oh, don't tempt me, Frodo. Don't, don't. Yeah. I, I don't have the time. They're really nice models. They I picked Dark Angels nice and I looked at them and went, they could be Dark Angel models, yeah. definitely. That's fine. Make them work. It's all right. Yeah. There's it's a lot of robes. That's, that's what yeah. You need. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. I mean, you, obviously you, you play a lot and you, you've you've been around the hobby for so long. Have you got a particular sort of part of it that you would consider to be your favourite part of it? Uh, so, I mean, I think if anyone that knows me either personally or vicariously through tt will know that painting is not my favorite part of the hobby <laughs> in any way shape or form but i think i'm one of those weird people that loves building yeah there's something about building that i find really therapeutic um like even just a little bit you know like skimming off mold lines and you know dry fitting pieces there's something nice about it but especially when you get like the kits that you can convert like i yeah. love I love making like models my own, you know, in their own little way, in their own sort of, you know, even if it is just something as basic as like, let's just twist the pose so that one guy is over here, but one guy is like this, you know, sort of pointing, you know, one guy is like, you know, reloading, just little things like that. Yeah. Because each model then sort of tells a story, which I think is really, really important um, because, you know, they are dudes on the table. And it's like, 
that's, that's probably like one of my favorite bits on the hobby side of things. And then, I mean, the game, like to me, it was always about playing the game. Yeah. Just because I, I just really like playing the game. Um, it's a great social interaction that you get from it. You know, I've made so many friends through playing the game. And then, like, yeah. the, painting, the painting art, for me, was, was always a means to an end. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it was especially frustrating as well. Because you go, oh, I've got this really great idea for a car scheme. And then you try it because you're not very good at painting. You go, oh, this looks rubbish. <laughs> but in the hands of someone that's actually skilled, it would be great. But I also don't have the money for a commission painter. So yeah. I'm not going to do that. So yeah, it's definitely like I like I like the building and I like the playing. Um, the painting is a very 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 distant third on the trifecta of hobbies, I suppose. I must admit, I've never really been like a big big law aficionado. Okay. Like I've read some of the like library books, like you know some of the classic, you know Storm yeah. of Iron, The Eyes and Horn. I've read the first couple of heresy books, but and I don't know obviously some people are like big into the law, but like for me, I'm like I don't really. Like this is probably gonna upset me. I don't care about the Horus Heresy. <laughs> like it's yeah. uh, to me, it's sort of like, and especially now, it's almost too late to get into it. I find. Yeah, yeah, and it is such a big part of the law. I can get like the crib notes and stuff. So, and weirdly, because we live in like an era where you've got people like your Luton and 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 your Voldemort who you know give really good in-depth law information if you are interested in it you can be really into the law with never having picked up a book in your yeah. life uh, and i know there's loads of people like that out there uh, loads of people and you see it on comments and videos and our videos and other people's videos where it's like oh never played the game but you know started listening or reading about the law and i really enjoyed it so i wanted to see what it was all about yeah so yeah to me it was sort of the models were cool and it gave me something to do. So that's why I kind of got into, and that's what, again, part of me, like the, the inner child loves the, <laughs> the the building side of it. Um, and then the gaming kind of comes from further from that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, there's a lot to the hobby, of course. But oh, yeah, definitely. That's probably my go-to. But I have started taking up the painting again. Not necessarily all Warhammer models, but okay eventually <laughs> eventually yeah. i might add to the lizard men again uh, <laughs> i did the, i did the slam the other day and i was like oh yeah right, model. i already had such a nice model and then i sort of built it and painted it and i was like yeah this took me like four days to do <laughs> oh yeah that's right i remember why i don't like painting and then when you look at it and you go like for me i was really happy with that model it was the first model i painted in seven no Seven years? Seven wow. Yeah, seven years. Um, and it's like all contrast paint. And I basically yeah. asked um, Fletcher, Stig, and Bard to, uh, like, what paintbrushes should I get? Because I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, what paint should I, like, what's a good, like, core starter set of paints? Okay, great. And then I sort of went from there just using the paints that I had. Yeah. And... It, yeah, and it felt really good to get painting again. But then I was looking at it going like, spent four days on this. <laughs> <laughs> it must be hard when you've got people like like Fletcher and you're kind of playing with these models day in, day out, and you're kind of like, like how am I supposed to compare to that? Yeah, Fletcher has a lot to answer for. Um, <laughs> I think there's lots of people in the community that are probably thinking about that, with people <laughs> like him. And, and you know, there must be so many good yeah. painters out there. So many good painters. And it's also... I suppose it's a bit different from when we were growing up because you didn't have like Instagram, Facebook, yeah. and you know all the social media. I mean, 
we had the Games Workshop forums on the, the yep. For, for those young bloods out there, there was an official Games Workshop forum. And it was great because you could go on there and be like, how does this rule work? It's like, oh, it works like this. Signed Phil Kelly, the guy who wrote the codex. Um, you know, so it was brilliant. But we never used to have stuff like that. Like, yeah. not, not, not like from the community. Like, heavy metal was always a thing. Golden Demon was a thing. But like, yeah. to be almost not bombarded with it, but it was like Golden Demon you'd see in White Dwarf, which was once a month. Yeah. You know, every every you know, it was a big deal. You know, games day would come along, people would go to Golden Demon, you'd see them in person. Oh, it's fantastic. But now you just go, oh, so I painted this in like, you know, ten minutes. <laughs> and you just go, really, Fletcher? Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. Like, what did I do in ten minutes? Just about sprayed something. <laughs> I cut this bit off a sprue. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. So yeah, we we there's definitely it's um, I suppose it's. In a way, it's quite daunting to get back into painting nowadays. Um, so I don't, I don't blame anyone that doesn't, uh, you know, feel confident in that subject because I certainly don't. But it's, it's definitely a, a pretty crazy time. But then at the same time, there's loads of tutorials out there. There's yeah. loads of things like I, I must admit, I, I don't watch any of the tutorials. I don't, <laughs> want, I, I don't watch much of the other stuff. I just kind of go like, yeah, this. I'm sure this will be work. This will be fine. This will work. Yeah. Let's just slap it on there and see what it comes out like. Yeah. Which is, you know, not a bad way of approaching it, I suppose. <laughs> not the best way, but hey. <laughs> it's a, it's your way. And that's yeah. the thing, it's the hobby, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've got to say, probably through this podcast, I feel like I've got weirdly more confidence in my painting now or, or to try new things. It's because I'm chatting with people like Fletcher and mm. some incredible painters out there. And they're like, well, yeah, just try this, this, and this. And it's just, it's it feels weird that. Before before I started this podcast, I was a proper lurker. I never liked posts, never commented mm-hmm. anything. And so you go through Instagram, you go through Facebook, whatever, and yeah, you just see these incredible models. And yeah. you're like, that's not, there's no point. Yeah. I'm not even going to bother. And then starting to chat with people, and they're like, oh, yeah, they just I did this thing, and this is what I learned, and this is how I combined that. I'm like, actually, yeah, when you break it down that, I, I'm not going to get to their level, but parts of it are achievable. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. a good way of looking at it. Yeah. And much like you, I don't, I don't really watch... Uh, painting tutorials or anything like that. I might do coming up because I've been considering whether or not to do a, a Golden Demon entry and just try and set it as a target and go, you know what, I'm just going to do it to improve my painting. Yeah. And so I might I might go and watch some YouTube videos or some tutorials just to learn how to do different techniques and then try them out and, and see what I enjoy. But it, it gives me a deadline. I work much better with a deadline. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, the, that's actually a really good way of doing it. I suppose I hadn't thought about that. Like if you set yourself like a target, a goal. It doesn't need to be like, well, if I don't enter Golden Demon and I don't get like at least a commendation pin, I'm going to be really <laughs> upset. But it's more, I suppose, yeah, it's like it's, it's putting yourself, uh, push, uh, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Sorry, I get tongue tied occasionally. I know it doesn't <laughs> seem like it, but I do. <laughs> the the power of editing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's and that's exactly why I'm doing it. Just trying to say because I've I. I spoke to Kerry, K-Legs. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. She's in, she's gave, like gave me her view on it, and she she sets she's really good at setting targets. And so she's like, yeah, I want to go to an event, and then it's like I want to win a game in an event, and then she won a game, and then she's like, I want to win two games, and then it's like I want to enter a painting competition for that. And then she she in Warhammer Fest she entered Golden Demon, hmm. and so I was like, actually, that's a really cool way of doing it. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to steal that idea. So I went to my first tournament, a doubles tournament. 
lost terribly. So that, but I've been to one, so that's that's target yeah. number one. I've got my second tournament later on this month, nice. and that's a singles one. Uh, although my list has just been absolutely screwed up with the changes to tonight's points. So yeah, that my, my target is that I'm going to go and try and win one game, and then I'll see how I do, and then yeah, see what happens with with Warhammer Fest this year. Whether I'll go for Golden Demon this year or maybe maybe next, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, well, it's gradual progression. I mean, I. So I said the last time I painted was seven years ago, and that's because I was getting my Necrons ready for a tournament. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing like an impending tournament to get you ready for painting, even if it is painting it at two o'clock in the morning the day before. <laughs> yes. Or two days before, as the case may be, because I was uh, it was actually flying out to Prague. Oh, okay. Was, uh, yeah, we went to the Prague <laughs> Open. This was back in was it seven? No, no, it would have been eighth. It would have been an eighth edition tournament that one. Second but yeah, so like five, five, four or five years, five years, yeah, six, yeah. a while. God. So yeah, it was definitely a uh, yeah. That's always a good uh, kick out the backside to to get you uh, painting. But uh, yeah, I I like the idea of the progression thing. That, that's 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 a really good way of doing it. I mean, you don't have to paint anymore. You've got all the armies. You this want is true. Sat in the studio. Yeah, I mean, getting getting the models for said armies is a bit tricky. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I ask for demon army, <laughs> but yeah, it's I, but but even then, it's the it's it because there's always going to be stuff that you want to do, or like I say, you know, like the 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 reach is it the reach uh, outstretches its grasp, or how there's a saying. Oh yeah, what are you talking about? And it's, it's it's very like that with most. So like I've mentioned it on TT before. Like I'd love to do. A like deep sea diver themed gene seeder oh, army. Like, all the aberrants are in like big, like you know, like Bioshock style yeah. suits, and you know the patriarch would be you know like a proper like underwater rig, um, oh, nice. you know, like converted from yeah. the Necromunda models. There's like the Arachna rig, yeah. and it's like yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm never going to do it because I don't have the talent to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah, and 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 there's something about it being your as well I think is, yeah. is, is a big deal for me um, it's probably part of the main reason why yeah, outside of the money why, if I was going to get back into things where I probably wouldn't do a commission painter because it wouldn't feel like mine and that's just yeah. a personal thing that's yeah. just a personal yeah. thing but I mean I know plenty of people that are like yeah no I have zero interest in painting like at all uh, and build, I mean you know Fletcher hires someone to build for him because he hates the building yeah, but likewise, obviously, he's done the commission work before. You know, there's plenty of commission painters out there. Some fantastic commission painters. Yeah, there. you know, there's a market for it, and there's loads of people, much like myself, that don't have the talent for painting, but they're just happy to 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 do so. Whereas, yeah. like again, and that's I suppose what's really good about the hobby is it doesn't really matter as long as you're doing the hobby your way and enjoying it your way. That's all that matters. Yeah, the the key point of a hobby, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I've been working, obviously, I've been watching TT for, uh, well, it must have been like five or six years now. In that time, there has been a switch to AOS, which, hmm. like, when I started, I, I didn't feel like that was ever going to be a thing. And I would say you're probably one of the key drivers behind that. So, what was the driver, sort of, behind bringing AOS into TT? So, uh, me and Lawrence had spoken about doing AOS for years, and I mean, back in the kitchen days years. So. Oh, wow, okay. A long time ago, so it would have been around about. Well, I mean, so I I met Lawrence when Sigma first came out, 
but we didn't really start talking about doing it on the channel until about like sort of second ed. And I think it just stemmed from it was just some variety. It was just something a little bit extra yeah. to kind of shake up content. And no one was really doing Sigma reports at that time. And it was just something like, well, there's obviously a market for it because it is a growing game. Yeah. And there's definitely an appeal to it because at the time we were sort of in the the throes of seventh edition. Mm. And there was a really big not necessarily backlash against seventh edition, but there was a growing discontent with seventh edition. Some might say there was a growing discontent with ninth edition. <laughs> Look what happened with that. Much the mm-hmm. same with seventh. But at the time yep. we were sort of going, well, there's clearly a market for it. There's loads of people that are talking about it, and it's a, it's an exciting new game. The models are fantastic. Yeah. And from a player's perspective, both uh, you know, I'm, I'm claim to speak for Lawrence, but obviously he's a very sort of technically minded competitive player, at least back during that time. And we're sort of looking at the Sigma models going, this is great because it's simple. Yeah. It's really nice. And it's just something different to do. So I think that's kind of where it originally stemmed from. But then we never really got the gears going on it until okay. very, very recently. And I think that is, you know, a, a massive part of that is, is our on-demand subscribers because without them, without them, we can't do anything. Yeah. That's just how these things work. YouTube advertisement is not as lucrative as some people <laughs> think it is. Yeah. But it is definitely something that we've been talking about for so long and so like keen to do that. And then sort of when the time was right, we just sort of went for it. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it, it's it's a game system that I have a very odd relationship with because I was actually working for Games Workshop at the time when they transitioned from the end times of Warhammer okay. Fantasy Battle to Sigma. And I I remember the very first, the first sort of meeting about it, like your area manager comes in, you're talking about it, it's like, this is what's, this is what's happening. Warhammer Fantasy Battles is being rebranded as Age of Sigma. It's not like ninth edition. That's what it would have been. It would have been ninth edition. Yeah. It's a whole new game system, and this is how it felt. My immediate thought was, "What is this? <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. What have you done? No one's going to like this. This is going to die immediately." Um, and hey, look, it's more popular than Fantasy Battles ever was, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like you, you, you have to infer a lot of that from sort of you know social media numbers and um, you know the the, the games workshop you know, biannual reports and whatnot. So, yeah, there's, there is guesswork there, but yeah, it is. But then thinking back, I'm like, well, I worked at Games Workshop at the time. Yeah, fantasy wasn't doing well. It really wasn't, which is such a shame. It's such yeah. a shame because I loved playing fantasy. It's, it's a very bit, well, I say it's a very, very good rule system. It's a very good um, game in the sort of the difference of what it is to, to Sigma. Because Sigma is a skirmish game, much like 40K is a skirmish game. I know some people say, no, it's not a skirmish. It's a skirmish game. Uh, you know, it's not like a big, you know, uh, clunky formation-based game. That's, you know, Apocalypse, Epic, yeah. stuff like that. You know, Heresy to an extent, you know, when you play like 3,000, 4,000 point battles with Titans and Primarchs knocking around. Whereas 40K has always been more small scale. And Sigma was, it felt like a smaller scale version of mm. fantasy. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. And I think even now you look at it and you go... There's not a lot on the board in comparison to what oh, yeah. fantasy battles would have been. You know, there's sometimes where you play a game and you go, 
there's less models on the board now than there was in one unit in fantasy yeah. battles. Yeah, um, old, old Empire units used to be massive. Oh, it used to be huge and used yeah, to have the, the spearmen uh, and uh, what were they called? What, what was the rule called where they would work together in time? Like if you charged one, the two would counter charge uh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, over what? Or, um, hot, uh, was it hold fast or? Stand and shoot, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand yes, and shoot, yeah, yeah. you know, for someone else. You know, really, really cool mechanics. But it was it was always a um, sort of contentious issue at the time when it happened. But then over the years, it's just gotten better and better and better and better and better. And then, yeah, we, we sort of kind of took the plunge to reintroduce our desire to do Sigmar. I can't remember when it was. A year ago? It sounds about right. You know, so we're sort of in yeah, the of Ninth Edition. You know, there's lots of codexes coming out. There's a lot of issues with it. <laughs> and we're like, this is a great opportunity for us and for all the audience to have a different perspective on a different game system yeah. or to have a different kind of game system. Now, the irony is, is then... A year later, <laughs> 10th edition's come out and it's yeah. completely turned everything on its head in terms of how 9th edition worked. Well, meanwhile, Sigmar has gone a little bit more complicated yeah. uh, as the uh, as the battle tones have come out. Um, hashtag battle tone bloat is real. I know no one <laughs> believes me and yet the writing is in the battle tones. Um, <laughs> but I still just really enjoy Sigmar because it just... The models are fantastic, yeah. and it is because it is a different game. It is just, it's just, it can be exciting to play because there's just different stuff that goes on. Yeah, and there's some really wacky nonsense that happens in Sigma. Really wacky, like which just to me that appeals to the gamer in me is that is, yeah. is just when weird stuff happens and you can kind of you know share a a tall tale about it. It's like, well, yeah, we played this game. What happened? Well, my 500-point monster of doom was eaten by a purple sun. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, you know, that's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, that, that it sort of it makes for interesting gaming tales, uh, yeah. uh, Sigma. And we've, we've had really um, fascinating response with it because there's been times where we've, we've played a game, we've released a game, and we've gone, oh, it's a bit... Oh, this seems a little bit one-sided, and we're editing it. Like, oh, okay. Like this is a. All right. Well, I mean, you know, obviously we're going to release it. We said we're going to release Sigma Crowd. Love it. Like, yeah, everything died. It's brilliant. <laughs> and we're like, okay, great. Whereas, like, yeah. if we um, yet yeah, weirdly, if we'd have released a game like that for forty k, where someone was tabled in like two turns, they'd be like, "This is the worst game ever." It's like yeah. it's in a terrible position. Forty k is the worst ed it's ever been. I'm like, I've, you know. I've lived through many, many worse editions. Uh, I can regale you with Garb Leafblower. I can regale you with uh, Lash Prince Plasma Cannons. <laughs> I can regale you with Fish of Fury, 5th uh, edition Grey Knights, 5th edition <laughs> just in its entirety, 7th edition, ninth edition. So there's always been a worse edition of yeah. 40k and the worst it's ever been and all that sort of stuff. Whereas the Sigma crowd just seemed like, yeah, everything's nonsense and it's great. <laughs> it's just Sigma, that's what happens. Yeah, and I think people are really accepting of it because it's not been through as many iterations as 40k. Yeah. Like 40k has changed a lot over the years. Whereas Sigma is still kind of Sigma. Yeah. Outside of the, the joke rules that they released on day one, which people still can't 
quite wrap their head around was a joke. Was it the best marketing decision <laughs> to say that here's your brand new game system? I hope you've got a bigger mustache than your opponent so you can get your rerolls. <laughs> it wasn't a good marketing decision, but it was definitely one of those things where you go, where you know, people turn around and they go, Oh, well, they only introduce points because uh, people were making up their own point systems. It's like, No, no, that's not case at all like yeah. workshop works several years ahead but they had to release something day one because something had to happen it's very yeah. similar to 10th edition i i am completely of the opinion that 10th edition will change quite a lot over the coming months when codes oh, yeah, start releasing yeah um, i'm hoping not in the case of here's the first codex and it is completely broken and power creep is back and yeah. you know, or Codex Creep is back in a really, really big, horrible way. But I hope it is more like here's the Codexes, here's some options, which is great because options are brilliant. Also, here's the new points. And you know how everyone has been saying that, oh, the point system isn't very good because of you don't pay for war gear. Well, now you're paying for war gear. It's almost like we planned this. You just yeah. didn't have any patience. But who knows? I'm hoping so. Um, and it was a similar thing with Sigma. Uh, and I think that's kind of at least in my opinion, why I think a lot of Sigma players are just like, yeah, it's just weird and weird stuff happens, so it doesn't matter. Because yeah. they remember back in the days where if you were playing with Setra the Imperishable and you knelt down, you lost because Setra does not kneel. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the greatest rule that has ever entered any war game. I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> yeah, leave like, that I, in, please. I can use this ability with Setra to give my entire army re-rolls to hit and wound in a massive aura, <laughs> but if I ever kneel down I automatically lose. Yeah. Don't drop any dice. Just don't, don't, just don't drop any dice. Um, you know, or um, uh, uh, the Screaming Bell at one point had a, a, a rule which was roll 2d6. And you've got various abilities that happen on whatever you roll. Uh, and if you roll a 13, you automatically win the game. <laughs> now, the only way that you could roll a 13 on 2d6 is by cheating. Yeah. But you're playing Skaven, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's stuff like that. Where I'm like, there's a, I do have a soft spot for stupid rules like that because it's clearly not meant to be serious. Yeah. Um, we're playing a game of toy soldiers. Yeah, it's not exactly. serious. Yeah, exactly that, yeah. But I I understand why people were very, very apprehensive about it when it changed. Um, and it's definitely become a much stronger rule system as the years have gone on. Yeah. I, I do feel that there is definitely that imbalance in the battle tones coming in now. Um, okay. And there's definitely a, a, a heavier complication to it all. So it's weirdly kind of defeated our original point of us playing Sigma on the channel, which was to give us <laughs> our brains a break from the complexities of ninth edition. And now it's just done a complete 180 both <laughs> systems are the opposite of each other. But I just really enjoy it. It's just it's, yeah. anything new is always, always good fun. I mean, you didn't get that break, anyway. I remember the first games of Sigma where you were the... Uh, what did you call yourselves in the end? You were in the survey school. At the end of the spell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But like everyone was just like, we don't know what the rule is. Chef? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It, is, it is my blessing and my curse. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just is... It just seemed to happen. Yeah. It, it just made it even funnier. So it was... It was all good. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you have a preference between 40k and AOS? Um, I think it's a bit of a weird question. one. Well, the thing is, forty k was my first love, as it yeah. were. Um, and then I got into so was I had Black Templars first, 
Then I started playing with Tau. No, it was Black Templars. Then I got Lizardmen back back in the day because nice. I, like many young boys, love dinosaurs. Yeah. And Aztec dinosaurs riding dinosaurs with laser beams. Yes, give it to me. Yep. Then I had Tau. Um, and then I had an Over Kingdoms army. So I've always kind of done a bit of a split. And then I had yeah, Necrons um, after that. And then I didn't have another fantasy army at that time just because I was working on the Necrons. And then Age of Sigmar came along. So I was like, I'm going to hold off uh, on buying any, okay. Sig- uh, any Sigmar stuff, any fantasy stuff, because who knows what's going to come out. I've seen these models, yeah. they look really cool, but I'm going to wait. And I've just not gone back into it from a personal sort of perspective. I, I, and that's the thing, I suppose, is because they've always been very different, whereas now they're quite similar in a way. Mm, yeah. I'm not really sure. For now, I think it's 10th edition because it's brand new edition. Brand new editions are always very exciting yeah. because you get to relearn everything. You get to try out new stuff. But Sigmar is just very interesting because there's a lot of... Sigmar is a fascinating game because it is not in any way, shape or form, of, in my opinion, a balanced game. Um, it's also strangely not... It doesn't feel to me as a non-competitive player, like a competitive game. And yet the competitive scene for Sigmar always says that it's like this super balanced game and it's really competitive. And I'm like reading some of the missions going, is it? Because <laughs> you could lose a game on turn two. That doesn't sound very yeah. balanced to me just because you, you know, didn't get this particular thing off. Yeah. But but then I you look at the army rules and it's like, there's a lot of synergies and there's a lot of like, you know, it's it's very um, you know people sort of said that the ninth edition stratagems it was more like Magic the Gathering because it was just build up a combo and then yeah. unleash a combo. Yeah. And Sigmar is like that to an absolute T. Um, it's very easy to build a bad Sigmar army. Mm, yeah. By going, I'm going to take this and this and this and this. and none of them have like good interactions or overlapping synergies. Whereas when you build a, a good Sigmar army, it operates really really well and you can play it at a high level. Like I know that they, because there is quite a big tournament scene for it, um, mm. in comparison to like the casual scene, I would say. But then the casual scene would always outweigh the competitive scenes, yeah, just because that is what the majority of people play. And and I find Sigma tends to fall into two very distinct camps. Forty k, you can run the full gamut of here's narrative players, casual players, competitive players, hardcore competitive players, people that play for the for the memes, people that play for the jokes, people that don't care what happens in the game. Whereas Sigma, it's hyper competitive, or they do not care in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. It's just an excuse for them to roll dice. Yeah, and there doesn't seem, from my experience, there doesn't seem to be like, a, oh, I'm a casual Sigma player. It's like if you're a casual Sigma player, you probably play it like once a month and you play it with the other yeah. dad like we call it a dad game uh, where it's like yeah it's 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 a bunch of dads that get together once every two months to play like one game so yeah. they don't want they didn't want ninth edition they don't care about the hyper synergies and they're just going oh, I'm going to roll some dice and hope that stuff dies I hope that Nagash like beats up your arcade because <laughs> yeah. that's cool yeah. smash our toys together yeah so at the moment they seem to like I say have done a, a 180 so so 10th edition excites me more because it's a new edition. Mm. But I'm sure when 4th edition comes out, which if we follow the standard pattern of every three to four years, that looks like it's going to be next year, I'll probably be excited about that. It's like, oh, it's brand new. I get to learn stuff yeah. again. I get to try out new things. But the index reshuffle for 40k has, has made it super, super interesting. You know? Yeah, that, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's I, that sort of 
that's my go-to at the moment um, okay. in terms of what I'm enjoying more. But I enjoy cinema regardless because yeah. I get to push dinosaurs around and throw comics <laughs> at people. You get new dinosaurs. All, all the new dinosaurs. Yes, I, I incredible. Ah, oh, they're so good. Well, I mean, I love the I love you, the crocodile. Yeah, oh, the giant crocodile dudes are the best. Yeah. Um, even if I don't run them as the actual crocodile heads, I would be using them with the crocodile heads. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know something's good when it makes someone come back to the painting after seven to eight years, yeah. however long it's been. You know, so like that, you know, that's the power of models, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> when, yeah, yeah, when, when, they, when they stoke the creative fire, you, you know that they're doing something right. Yeah, it's what got me into Chaos Knights. That's entirely that. I, I had knights before, a few that I kind of ran as a bit of a Imperial renegade Mm -hmm. kind of flip-flop and then they brought out that box set with the the abominant in them the war dogs and i was like i'm done i thought yeah, it was that's, it. that's it yeah you've tempted me away yeah, yeah. this is the um it's the sort of the the digitigrade legs the, the backwards mm. legs it just makes them look just weird yeah I yeah really yeah because i only got one of that that kit which is the abominant one because i already had two of the questorius as they mm. were so i've got that one and it stands out like massively compared to them and so it's kind of like i've designed the the law around it as being like that was the the sort of first one that fell to chaos and it's become an abominant so it's now a psycho knight and it's kind of pulled all of the rest of them with them so nice yeah they all sort of flock around that one yeah he's like corrupted the rest of them i guess yeah yeah that's cool i like that yeah yeah there's, but... there's, there's so much cool stuff that you can do when you're like writing like a narrative for your own guys like yeah. that's that's like not really like a part of the hobby but it was something that i always used to really like doing was like right when i was younger like writing like narratives for my for my guys you know like yo who's this like what's this person done you know keeping tally of their scores like narrative events were always the one for me um yeah just got to do just weird and wacky stuff <laughs> and like write a story about it and make a story about it and it was just good fun yeah i enjoy that about tt now obviously that was that was probably always something that kept me going back to mini war gaming their narrative uh videos and their, their storylines when uh it was weird and bard people didn't know that that narrative where bard was taking the, the uh dark angels i loved it yeah. i absolutely loved that and like finding out about the characters and you get like that odd sergeant from the deathwing knight uh, deathwing terminators who like just survived no matter what bit <coughs> really, just survived yeah. you're like yeah i want him to keep going so I I love that I love the narrative idea and then pulling that person through. It's like yeah, he's going to get a promotion. He's going to become a lieutenant next. And yeah, it's yeah. A, it's all little things. Like I mean, I remember there was um, so I had a uh, with my Tau army. There was a uh, a Shazwi in a squad that survived combat against like assault terminators for like three rounds or something. <laughs> And and he's just like, oh, I've got to do a leadership check. No, but he just kept passing. He was like, I am not running away because this was this was back when you couldn't elect to leave combat. You had to fail the round, and there was a chance you'd be uh, cut okay. down. Yeah. So and this this Shazwi just did not want to go anywhere. <laughs> so then the next game, it's like, yeah, like clearly he's been promoted to one of the Shazwis in a crisis suit now. Like he's like, yep. he doesn't need to do a trial by fire. He's passed his trial by fire. <laughs> he's done that. Like, yeah. He's you know he's the the appearance just like yeah, just send him through. We don't want to annoy him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just put him in a suit quickly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, but that's what I love about it is you can just make your own stories yeah. as you go, which is just it's just that to me is like one of the big draws of the hobby of, of any of any game that you do is 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 telling your own narrative and telling your own story. 
Because storytelling is just is just good fun. It's fun, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, I'll, we'll stop talking about the games and stuff like that, and sort of pull <laughs> into the the content creation side of it. Because that's a that's a big part of mm. of you in the hobby. Um, obviously, you have been with TT for quite a while now. I mean, what? How did that originally happen? How did you joining TT occur? Uh, so. As I mentioned, I was working at Games Workshop uh, in London at the time, uh, in the Covent Garden store. It's no longer there, sadly. I'm, that's where I met Lawrence. Uh, he was working at the Apple store in Covent Garden. He'd okay. come in, grab his paint or grab his codexes, and we just started chatting. You know, it's like, as you do, you know, you're working in a store, yeah. you know, you see a regular, you get to know them, their, you know, their name, you know, like what they, you know, sort of what they're doing, what they're working on, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's the typical games workshop uh, <laughs> jokers they say you know you walk into a game which is so what are you working on <laughs> yeah do you need 10 paints it's like <laughs> it's not quite like that but i understand why some people think like that but it was always uh you know so we would just get chat about stuff and he mentioned um that he was starting up this youtube channel to do battle reports and i was like what do you mean youtube channels to do battle reports <laughs> so, well you know like in white dwarf yeah well you know the battle reports well yeah classic obviously <laughs> Well, we're going to do that, but just film it. Oh, okay. Do people do that? And then he mentioned about mini wargaming. I'd never heard of mini wargaming, and they've been going for about four years at this point. Yeah. I was like, "What's this? Never heard of this in all <laughs> my life. Never. It's a, a ridiculous concept. Battle reports were written. They were all <laughs> pictures with top-down diagrams, and that was your lot. And you were lucky yeah. if you got those once a month in a in a whiteboard. And I was just like, "Ah, oh, sounds really weird." He's like, well, do you want to come? I mean, oh, and he was like, well, think of it this way: Do you want to come over, play a game? We'll order a pizza, have some, have a couple of beers, and I'll just happen to film it. And I was like, yeah, right, that sounds fun. <laughs> Whereabouts you live? Know, I live over, over, sort of, you know, round, not round. I mean, I say round the corner, and you know, for for you know, people in the UK, you say round the corner. It's actually like two hours up the road, but <laughs> you know. And it was sort of, you know, so I sort of went in on a Saturday or a Sunday and sort of went to his to his flat in London, brought my uh, towel I had. I think I was working on the Necrons at that time, so I, but the towel were pretty much finished. So I had, so I brought the towel, and yeah, and it just sort of, you know, I was like, oh, this is just good fun. I just get to play a game with like, you know, um, you know, sort of a new acquaintance. You know, I get fed and watered out of it. <laughs> it happens to go on the internet and like, you know, 20 people are going to watch it. Like, who cares? No, 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 no. What is it? Nine years later, whatever it is. Hang on. I, I almost want to have a look now. On, um, is it two years ago on YouTube? What the first, um, when the channel started? Because I think I, like, I think he'd only done it for a few months at that point by the time that I, my yeah, my games super, being really, shown. Yeah. yeah, like I was one of the first sort of set of guests, as it were. June twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. There you go. Twenty fourteen. So, so it's been over nine years now. Oh, yeah. So I yes, yeah, so I mean, what I've probably been doing it, you know, in like a part time capacity since maybe because when did I? I must have started at Games Workshop back. In, I started at Games Workshop back in the October November time of that year. Okay. So it was probably in like the post Christmas then. So yeah, probably what I you know if the channel's been going for nine years, I've been there for eight years and seven months in some capacity. It's crazy. Which yeah, and it's just like like I say, it's sort of 
it started out as a, like, oh, this just sounds like a fun little idea. So it's a way to spend my Saturday afternoon. Like, you know, like, yeah, cool, great. I love I love 40k I love Warhammer I've worked for Games Workshop you kind of have to love it if you work <laughs> yeah, for Games Workshop yeah. quite frankly and so I was like yeah like there's just any any excuse to, to play a game and it just kind of snowballed and I was like yeah it was just really good fun that I'll just keep doing it and you just keep doing it and then eventually you sort of it's like oh okay like this is really building traction and obviously like I wasn't doing any of the editing at that time <laughs> I wasn't doing yeah. you know I was doing maybe once a month obviously okay. laurie was doing it on top of his full-time job like he was yeah. working 80 90 hour weeks to sort of do all the editing and you know film with other people you know and it'd be like oh i've got a day off on the the thursday well it's not a day off because i'm now editing the four yeah. bow reports that he's got in, in, in sort of you know filmed over the last two weekends so there's me just rocking out like, hey, we'll just play a game. This is great. And then he's just like, yeah, oh, cool. Thanks for coming. And then immediately I'll write about start editing this game. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but then, you know, it's obviously over, over time, you know, it, it kind of became a bigger part of what was going on. And Laurie, Laurie had always mentioned about doing, you know, doing it full time and about wanting to make this a, a career for people. And I was like, mm-hmm. Playing with toy soldiers, a job. <laughs> yeah, go on then. And then it sort of, they just reached a stage where he could eventually, you know, do that. And, you know, he, yeah. he hired people on. So obviously there was myself and, and, and Bone. Um, and we had uh, Sanger on as our painter. And then uh, Beard was going to come on. And uh, he sort of came on a bit later. But he was sort of doing stuff part-time. Obviously we've got Stig part-time. Yeah. And yeah, and it sort of then, you know, it was really all taking off and we, we moved to the, to the sort of the, the, the Bath, Caution, Chippenham area. We're all sort of dotted about the, the, the Southwest in, in that local vicinity. And we sort of moved down there. So, you know, I, I kind of uh, up sticks from Surrey, where I'm originally from, uh, moved down here with my partner. She um, managed to get her job working from home, okay. which six months later proved to be extraordinarily useful <laughs> and yeah and it was going great and it's wonderful and it's just like yeah here we are we're doing it full time bang COVID-19. oh god yeah brilliant timing <laughs> but yeah so like i say it started out as a bit of fun with a yeah. new mate and then he's now my boss yeah, nine years later and yeah. seven hundred videos down and Oh so many videos. Hundred and seventy seven thousand subscribers. Yeah. Probably one of the biggest channels in, in the world. Yeah, forty K wise, yeah. I mean there's obviously Mini Wargaming uh, uh the biggest yep. they've been around for years and, and play on do some incredible stuff, which is exemplified by the subscriber count. Yeah, I mean maybe we're like in terms of battle report content, because I know like Luton has like tons of subscribers. Yeah. Yeah, the law, the law channels the law, that seem, yeah. seem to do really, really massive. Like they seem to shoot up so quickly. I, I think it's just because it's like it's just accessible content, and people yeah. like law and listening to stuff. It is almost like an audiobook. I mean, it's you yeah. know, and I, I like listening to you know stuff about history. You know, just sort of I'll have it on in the background. It's like I don't have a history background. <laughs> I don't. You know, I never. Yeah, you know, I studied history up till GCSE, but I never did it further than that. But. Yeah, I'll listen to a two-hour documentary about the Polynesian War. Absolutely, <laughs> seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, but I think that's what a lot of people do. It's just it, you know, it's like with podcasts. It's just it's it's stuff that's on in the background. Yeah. for a lot of people, and it's just this 
it's that kind of not necessarily white noise but it's something that's like you know what i don't have any knowledge about this but this seems cool yeah. and in a way it's almost the same as like the hobby videos um you know like the painting or like you know the building channels you know they, you know, you've got people that are like, oh, what did you do? Like, I built this entire uh, replica of Minas Tirith. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, and obviously that's interesting to a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas the battle reports are obviously very specific because they're only interesting generally if you know the game. Yeah. yeah um, and we do get comments, you know, like, never played this game before in my life, but this seems really cool. Or you get people to go like, oh, you know, I used to play, but like, it's been so many editions, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And you'll see it even now where people just go, I have no idea what's happening in this, but it's very funny to watch. And it's like, yeah, great, yeah, you know, yeah. that's what we're yeah. here to do, we're here to entertain. But it is sort of almost like a niche within the niche, the battle report side of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whereas, you know, miniature painting, you know, airfoils, you know, whole trains, they've been around for decades. Yeah. Um, you know, longer than Games Workshop has been. And like the law videos, like anyone can listen to law videos, anyone can listen to, yeah. you know, to, to videos and stories and stuff. You know, I mean, I had, again, to give you an example, so I, I think the last Legend of Zelda game that I played was Wind Waker. Okay. So what did I do the other week? Watched an entire 45 minute documentary on YouTube about the history of the land of Hyrule and how it all works <laughs> in with the upcoming new, like, Tears of the Kingdom game. Yeah. And it's like, oh, cool, I didn't even realize this was happening in the thing. It's like, yeah, sure. Because it's just, it's, Something yeah, you, yeah. You, you just have it on, don't you? And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 177,000. Gosh, it's, it's a crazy, mad, really mad number. It's, it's, I guess there's a lot of people who look at YouTube in general and see, like, oh, yeah, if you've not got a million, that's not very big. But then when you look at it in like the Warhammer side of things, like, that's huge, it's absolutely massive. It's, it's crazy, yeah, yeah. And that, that's sort of, you know, like I said earlier, like YouTube ad revenue isn't as lucrative as some people make it out to be. Like, you do need millions of views yeah. for it to be you know unless you're like a one-man band type thing but like, i mean we've got seven full-time members of staff two part-timers so yeah it's it's not enough to sustain us but yeah. then on the flip side like you say within the, the niche i mean what 177,000 subscribers if you said the majority of those were people that play the hobby well I mean, from a, I remember from I think it was last year, year before, in like the shareholder report that Games Workshop did. Because again, I'm just one of those weird people that like. Okay, <laughs> let's see how Games Workshop are doing. You know, it's not like we have a vested interest in them doing well. <laughs> and they were saying that they had something like over six hundred thousand people subscribed to their emailer. So again, it, it's not an exact number because it's going to be loads of people that aren't subscribed to their yeah. emailer. But if we've got an audience of one hundred seventy-seven thousand and there's six hundred thousand people minimum that are vaguely interested in 40k we've got a pretty like you know substantial reach on the market yeah you know and that's the thing you know it's only growing like the hobby itself is only growing we're you know we're Thanks growing everyone yeah yeah <laughs> praise <laughs> be unto him uh, you know everyone's you know, sort of, uh growing from it because the yeah. hobby is growing which is only a good thing because new hobbyists means you know new exciting things and it's great to see people excited about something that you love. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's there's there's nothing better than having someone who said like, oh, like, uh, like what is it that my um, my friend said to me? It's like you need to you you sort of need to um, accept like when 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 someone like gets something when they like really get something and it like hits them, you know, sort of deep within something that's really important to them. 
much like now. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, talk about it. And they don't come up for air. It's because you really, <laughs> really enjoy it. Yeah. And then to see someone enjoy it as well as you, that's great. Um, you know, whether you introduce them to it, whether that they've gotten into it themselves, like it's it's just really good. Yeah, it's, we've got such a fantastic hobby and such a fantastic community. Why would you not want to share that with people? Yeah, exactly. Why would you want to put people off of it? Yeah. So yeah, the the fact that it's growing bigger and bigger is is you know it's only a good thing in in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. For whatever weight or much weight you want that to carry, <laughs> but to you guys, I suppose. But no, I I think it's good in terms of sort of when you look at you look at the channels like you guys when you war gaming play on. Obviously, the more you get and the more people invest into you, and the more you've got assets you've got available, the more you can go away and do. The more variants you can have, the more yeah. models you can get in. So you get a lot of different armies in there. You get a lot of different tactics. You can try narrative. You can try new things, which just gives me more to watch, more to enjoy, and more more to learn from. So I, I think it's I think it's really good from that side as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's always a, a you know sort of thing that we say you know all the time. You know, we literally cannot do it without like our on-demand subscribers. Yeah. But it's 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 you know, like oftentimes we get people like, oh, are you guys going to play Harrison? It's like models cost money. <laughs> like, we, I mean, like if someone wants to donate to us, like you know, four thousand <laughs> points of every legion, we'll we'll accept. We'll start playing Heresy tomorrow yeah. if that's the case. But you know, there's always there's always so much happening in the release so quickly now yeah i think you know there was um there was something that we had a, a few months ago i can't remember what it was oh, i think it was the world eaters and someone said like you know oh why, why haven't you got the the eight bound yet it's just like because we're still painting stuff from the last release yeah. you know fletcher's yeah. only one man um you, <laughs> you know plus, quickly but not that quickly. yeah and plus with the way that like our sort of you know, uh, release schedule goes, and yeah. production schedule goes. You know, there's, there's so much that goes on in the background for it. But, but as you say, so as as the hobby grows, we also hopefully grow again from a selfish perspective. It, you know, it helps keep the roof over my head. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's just really good to get it spread out there. And for you know, we are providing entertainment at the end of the day. Yeah. Clearly, lots of people find us entertaining, which is great. We want to continue doing that. We want to continue providing entertainment. We we love what we do. And yeah. we love the hobby, and we want other people to to love it as well. And you bring other people in, right? obviously. Yeah. Well, we hope so anyway. <laughs> you've got you, but like people like Katie and Bard and, and people like who have obviously joined TT fairly recently. I was chatting with Flesh about it, and I, I was obviously I didn't watch a huge amount pre those guys, but I could see the difference it made and the variance that it made just bringing those guys in. So now you've got mm. a bigger team, and again, you, it just it makes it feel a lot. A lot more varied because even just because different people yeah yeah like obviously this channel was good before otherwise it wouldn't have kept growing i love the channel before but now it just feels like yeah i can i can watch and there's just so many different games with so many different people you could play the same armies over and over again but because of the personalities you've got it would they would be such different games and the way they'd be played out and the, the decisions that people would make would be so different yeah yeah definitely and i think that's 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 a a really interesting thing as well because we've all got very different ways of sort of approaching the game i suppose yeah. i would i would love to be as joyful as bard is when losing but unfortunately <laughs> i'm i'm not nobody in the world has that much energy apart I, from bard i don't know how he does it quite frankly <laughs> but it's you know it's, it's yeah it's just but that's also like you say what makes it interesting from an audience perspective like yeah. if it was always you know and i've always said like if you enjoy the game, no matter how you enjoy it, as long as you enjoy it, 
that's all that matters. It's your Absolutely. hobby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But from like, again, like from a from an outside perspective, you know, sort of if I was to, you know, if I wasn't involved in it and I was watching like battle reports and stuff, for me, if someone was just like, them and their opponent were exactly the same and there was like no, there was no like banter, there was no, you know, no, no like conversation, you know, it was just like, I move here, I move here, I move here, I move here, I move here. I may as well be watching an AI play. Yeah, you know, I may as well, um, you know, because even even back in like the White Dwarfs, you could feel like the personalities coming up from like the text. Yeah, you know, because it was oftentimes people's personal armies. You know, this was way way back in the day that I'm talking. You know, you, you had people that would come on with like their, or sort of you know go on into White Dwarf with, and they would almost invariably be staff members or friends of staff members yeah. or you know however it was. But you know, every army was different. There was never like a you know, this is the studio army being used. Nowadays, it is, which I understand from, like, a brand perspective. You know, they don't want people coming on with, like, 3D printed parts and stuff like that, which I totally get, you know, from their sort of business perspective. Yeah. You know, White Dwarf is and always has been an advertisement. I don't really... I've never really quite understood the thing of, you know, it's like, oh, but Games Workshop, like, you know, 30 years ago, Games Workshop was much better because it was run by hobbyists. Incorrect. Brian Ansell was always a businessman. Uh, he was a businessman first and foremost. He was just very, very good at making out that he wasn't one. Yeah. You know, Ian Livingston. Yeah, yeah, he's a businessman. He's a very, very... His book is fascinating as well, if you've read it. Um, read I can't that. remember what it's called, but it's um, his autobiography. I can't remember what it's called. It's really annoying. It's really, really interesting book. But Games Workshop, they were, I think, better at hiding it because they had like yeah. members of the community coming on and like this is their this is their stuff. Yeah, and this is their personal thing. And I think they don't need to do that anymore because battle report channels exist. Yeah. Because they know that if people want that, they'll just go and watch it somewhere else. Yeah. And weirdly we're kind of doing their job for them in a way. Like, if we're being yeah. totally honest, we're advertising someone else's product, but yeah. our product is based on their product. So it's, you know, it's a very... It's a win-win relationship. Yeah, it is a win-win relationship in a way. You know, so, you know, they, them doing well benefits us, but us doing well benefits them. So, you you know, it is it is interesting to sort of see the new Games Workshop being very, very open with, like, content creation. And, you know, lots of people are on the content creator program. Yeah, you, know, you see it all the time on Instagram. So if you're like, oh, thanks, Games Workshop for sending me this, and you know, I painted this up for you know the article and stuff like that. And what I think is really good though is that they are reaching out to more of the quote unquote average hobbyist. Yeah. Um, recently, it, it certainly feels that way um, when you look at some of the stuff. So like when you look at some of the articles that have gone out, and you go like, oh, this was painted by Siege Studios. This was painted by Angel. This was painted by Tyler Mengel. You go, these are big names. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, this was painted by this person. Oh, I've never heard of them. You look them up, they've got like a thousand followers. And you go, but they're like me. They're an average yeah. painter. And that's, re I think, really important to get across. Um, so they've definitely gotten better in that regard. But I would like to see Games Workshop go back to a little bit more of a flexible attitude to how sort of content is when it comes to their own stuff. Um, you know, embrace yeah. that kind of, you know, maverickness of the late 90s, early 2000s. But I don't think that's ever going to happen, sadly. 
yeah, I had a long chat with Peachy about that on on the podcast, and yeah, his his opinion of the way that it's gone and why it's gone that way was was really interesting. Yeah, I've not got around to listening to that one yet, but I, I do. Yeah, yeah, I won't spoil listen. it. Everyone, go and listen to that. Yeah, go and episode. listen to that one. Everyone, Peachy's yeah. a yeah, Peachy was a legend. Like, yeah. He was so open about why he thought that they went the way that they went, and he he's similar to you. He just thinks that they're not going to go back in that direction. <laughs> From from so again as someone who worked for the company, I was only retail and I was only there for like I think I was there for less than half a year, and then I was let go because they were closing our store, mm. and it was a case of do you want to go to another store but work more hours? And I was like, <laughs> I'm already I was already commuting into London, and it was an ideal sort of stopgap job anyway. It was never a permanent thing. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, do you want to work more? It was the same number of hours, but it was over more days. So I was like, so it's going to cost me more to go into London. <laughs> I think I'll pass, you know. So, but even then, it was like um, I, I had a friend who used to be a games workshop manager, and he said, "There's a really big clue in in the in their name, Games Workshop. We're a shop. <laughs> you yeah. buy things. We want to make money. Yeah, you know. And they always have done. They've all. It's always been. It's a business, and business it's a business, is not, exactly. business is yeah. not successful by being really nice to yep. the people that are buying from you." Now, they want you to buy from them, so they will be nice to you, but they don't owe you that. Mm. And it's such a it, it's such an odd relationship because it's like, well, they kind of should owe that to the hobbyists in the community because without them, they wouldn't be making money. But at the same time, they seem to be doing quite well, so they're clearly doing something right. Yeah. You know, whether you agree or disagree with the business practices, and there's plenty to disagree about. <laughs> You can't deny that what they're doing works, um, yeah, and again, incredibly successful. You know that's only a good thing because it means that they can do more, bigger, better stuff. It means we get more people into it. Like, let's be perfectly honest, guys. If Games Workshop wasn't a four billion dollar worth company, Amazon would not be touching Games Workshop with a barge pole in trying to make IP for it. Like, they just yeah. would. They just would not care. Nope. So it's only because of that that you're getting a show. It's only because Games Workshop are doing well that we're going to get stuff like the show made. And I hope, I hope it's good. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, we all hope it's going to be good. Yeah. I really want it to be like a proper, like, inquisitorial, like, neo-noir thriller. I thought, like, Rogue Trader would be a really, yes. a really good one for it. Yeah, something like that. I don't I don't want to see a heresy series. I don't want to see Space Marines. Um, no. I want to see it like the Dan Abnett, Gaunt's Ghost, Eisenhorn-style Space Marines, where yeah. it's like, if the Chaos Space Marine turns up, it's like in the final episode and he's ruining everyone's day. Yeah. And it's like a big deal. Not just like your main characters of Space Marine. Because they're not really relatable to like the average person. Like I've seen loads of people that say, oh, I want to see like Horace Heresy series. It's like, it would be really cool. I'm like, it, it, it would if you're a fan. It wouldn't if you don't know what's going on. Yeah, Like if you don't know what's going on, you're not going to be interested and you're not going to have any understanding of what's going on because it's Really complicated. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I've read the first three books and then I gave up <laughs> because after that it was like, so now there's these eight diverging storylines. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't care. Yeah, you know, and there's no um, clear route to go from like no. a like a to b. It's like you could go down these different routes, but then you might have to backpedal a little bit to do this. And it's yeah, there is no like I want to skip out all the chaff and I just want to go from here to here. What I've seen people try, and it's like it's just a, it, it's like that. Um, that meme from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie Day's pointing at like the red string. Yeah. 
yeah. that's what I feel like someone explaining the Horus Heresy is like to me. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, as someone that has you know that has a cursory passing knowledge of it. You know, so imagine what someone who has no idea what a space marine is. Yeah. You know, so that's why I think like that almost like a Blade Runner, you know, eyes and horn, road trader type thing. Yeah. A space marine should be rare. I mean, they, they should you, be rare. Have you have you read or listened to the new Lion book? No, no, I haven't. I haven't. So it's a really it's a really good book for it. Obviously, not not too many spoilers, but it might be a couple. Um, obviously, the Lion the Lion comes back, but there's there's maybe twenty. Space Marines that come back in that that entire story, mm. and that's because he's specifically searching for them with people who know exactly how to find them. He, they go to like systems, and there's, they're just like, "So have you got any Space Marines here?" And they're like, "Yeah, no, we've not seen Space Marines in years." Yeah, you know, there's like ten planets, and you're just like, "Yeah, we've not, not seen Space Marine in God knows how long." Yeah, like in, in parts of the fluff, they say that sometimes, like, there's there's entire generations of of like Imperial citizens that won't see a space marine and there's yeah. some people that don't believe in space marines yeah know? they're like they're not real they're just a myth <laughs> like they're made up there's been you know like you know and and, and that sort of again that speaks to the just the the setting itself and just how yeah. ridiculous it is yeah if you made this story around the idea of space marines we're also need, i think you're going to be really driven into a really specific one where it's just like yeah. you're at war constantly because that's really the only place you can have space yeah. marines and you're like, well, actually, I want it. Like I said, I, from a very trade point of view, I think it'd be really cool. Or Inquisitor, where, yeah, there's... I want to see, like, political humans. intrigue. Yeah. And, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know. And you can have, like, you know, you can have, like, a token elder turn up or, like, a Tau trader, you know, have, like, little references for the fans. Yeah. But for other people, they're just like, oh, it's just an alien in the setting, you know. And then that makes it accessible. But again, like, sort of going back to, to, to my original point is Games Workshop is doing well... And because it's doing well, it will continue to do well. So whether you agree or not with their practices, it doing well is only good for you. I think where it will be, it, it, where it will become bad, bad, or like if it becomes bad, is when they start treading a bit too much on like hobbyists' toes. Mm. Um, you know, and I know some people sort of say this: like, oh, well, if you go to a, a, a games workshop event, you're not allowed to have anything other than games workshop monitors. Well, obviously, would yeah. you go to a Magic the Gathering event with Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Well, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, would would you go? You know, that's like you know, would, would you? It just it, I've never understood that argument. I no, I do I get it from yeah. an extent where it's like, well, if I scratch built this like conversion, but I mean, when I started, we had um, they called it the it was it was the black folder, and it was this massive ring binder behind yeah. the counter. It's like so I'm looking for some bits. Bang! <laughs> Blow some dust off of it. Open it up. It's all laminated pages of every single bit yeah. that they made. And I wish they'd go back to doing stuff like that. Say, you know what? I need some plasma guns. Yeah, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll make you some plasma guns. Like it'll cost yeah. you more money than than like it probably should because it's Games Workshop. But we can absolutely do that for you. And that's why like third party bits exist because Games Workshop stopped doing that. If Games yeah. Workshop carried on doing it, you wouldn't have. And there's some fantastic pieces out there. Some brilliant stuff. Oh yeah, but it only exists because Games Workshop doesn't do it anymore. Like people have taken an opportunity to run successful business, they've taken it, they've gone with it, they've done well. Good for them. They've they've seen an opportunity and they've taken it. Yeah. So, but then when you get people that are saying, "Oh well, I went to a Games Workshop event and they wouldn't allow me to use my three uh, D printed models that are complete carbon copies of." Yes. Well, yeah, what do you expect? Yeah. But at your own home, at a non-games event, who do you want? 
But again, yeah. it's your hobby. Now, if they suddenly start turning, I mean, you know, games workshop don't have that much control over it, but if they suddenly turn around and went like, yeah, no, like any uh, ITC event that doesn't do it, we're going to pull our sponsorship, then I'd be like, oh, now you just, yes, you, you kind of, you're yeah. pushing the water, waters a bit too much there. I can't see it. I can't see that ever I can't happening see doing that. because yeah. they don't, they don't mind really no. that much because no. it's, you got to, from their perspective, if someone's at a games workshop event, it's, it's for them. You know, everyone says, like, oh, everything should just be all digital or everything should just be all online. It's like the reason why Games Workshop still have brick and mortar stores is because they are there to advertise. They are there to advertise yeah, yeah. for Games Workshop. Yeah. So if you come in with your non-Games Workshop models, you're kind of ruining their business model. And they are there to make money. Yeah. The managers are there to make money so that they don't get fired. Managers have KPIs hit to hit. They've got deadlines yeah. as well. This is the real world. It's like, a job. It's every, a job. Every other shop does the exact same thing. Yeah, you, right. you don't go into like curries and go, well, you're only here to make money. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Obviously. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So, but I think just Games Workshop have, have gotten a lot better with that engagement with the community. And yeah, I hope I it so. continues. And I think it will continue. You know, people, hiring people like Mike Brandt, you know, you know, having, you know, sort of, you know, the, the meta watch, you know, whether you, agree or disagree with what's said on them mm. and there's certainly aspects which i disagree with the fact that they're doing it at all compared to six seven years ago yeah. my god it's completely different it's yeah. so much better than it was and again you can see that in their share price <laughs> yeah. like they're doing something right and you know it's not like a you know business is all very carefully calculated yeah, I mean, I, I saw something somewhere where they said, oh, well, we mentioned this, and then four days later, Games Workshop did this. It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> the, like, that was probably planned months ago. Yeah. There are definitely criticisms that you can make of Games Workshop, but I think the way that they're handling the business in terms of making the business grow, you can criticise it, but you can't. You can't, like... You can't say that what they're doing is working. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone that criticizes them ends up going and buying more models. Yeah. Well, there was, a, there was going to be a boycott last year, I think, over something. Yeah. I mean, um, my, 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 my favorite was the, um, the content creator thing where they were like, oh, they're, they're shutting down like the community made, um, you know, like productions and stuff like that. And it's like, Yes, it's called IP theft. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, they, they end up hiring half of them anyway. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, um, yeah. and also my—I can't remember the guy's name. I think it was one that did a bunch of Krieg animations, and people were like, "Well, they—they—they they, they sued him into oblivion." So no, actually, the community started hounding him because he said that he got a job with Games Workshop, and then they hounded him to the point where he said he wasn't going to do it anymore. Yeah. So, like to me, it's, that's just kind of. But again, it's it's that whole thing where like Games Workshop probably wouldn't have given, they wouldn't have given them the time of day, they wouldn't have cared. But the minute that you start making money off yeah. of someone, I mean, it's like we've had it before as well. Like someone was taking some of our on-demand videos and putting them on Twitch. Should we have allowed that to happen? Oh no! But if we, if we love, you, but if we love the guys for shutting it down because people are making money hobby, off what you've done so much yeah. we should just let all of our like and people have said that before like you know like, oh you, you guys should just put everything out for free and you go if 
the ad revenue made enough money for us to do that, <laughs> we would. We absolutely yeah. would. Like Lawrence has said that before, if we were getting millions of views, we wouldn't need on demand because the ad revenue would be enough to cover yeah. all of the seven full-time members of staff's wages. <laughs> yeah. But it's not. So right. someone, you know, so again, you know, so speaking from a, you know, someone with a, a, a pseudo-vested interest in it, or at least an understanding of it, if someone's stealing our content, we are well within our right to shut that down because someone yeah. else is making money off of what we've done. Yeah. Now, again, because on the um, Games Workshop copyright infringement thing, they go, yeah, you can do what you want with our IP. Do what you want with the hobby. It's your hobby as well. Just don't make money off of it. Or if you do, it needs to be something that is not to do with what we do. Now, yeah. and then you do get into that weird sort of grey area you, where you go, did they only shut it down because Warhammer Plus was coming? Maybe. Which is a bit, you know. Yeah, but again, it it's their IP, it's their right. Um, yeah. Did you ever hear the um, the saga of Damnatus? So yeah. Damnatus was a German fan film back in the early 2000s. Okay. And it you can find it in certain parts of the internet. <laughs> um, but it was a thing, and it was like, you know, made by fans, and they were like, we just really love 40k. And they did, and it was like a thing about, um, it was, the story was about an Inquisitor investigating like a chaos cult in a hive city. It was all grim and murky and like, re, you know, so for a fan film from the early 2000s, really well done. And Gazebrush were like, yeah, this is really cool. Great, go for it. Until their lawyers turned around and said, you know, if they release this for free under German IP law, it means that Games Workshop will have no IP holdings in all of Europe because of how <laughs> German IP law works. And they're like, oh, we've got to shut it down. They didn't want to, but they had to because otherwise yeah. their business would cease to exist. So you have, in certain parts of the world, they have to do that for IP in order to protect their IP because otherwise they just go, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And then yeah. that causes, models you want, right. and then it becomes a massive issue. You know, so it's it's it, it is the horrible truth of them being a company. They do have to do things which there's probably large elements of Games Workshop that hate having to do what they have to do mm. when it comes to aspects like that, but they have to because it's their job. It's literally their job. They wouldn't have a living. They wouldn't have yeah. a, a roof over their head. Yeah, you know. So it's uh, I don't envy some of the people that work for Games Workshop <laughs> sometimes because they do have a. There is a very love-hate relationship with the fan base, sadly. Um, you know, like 99.9% of us are fantastic people. <laughs> but, hey, like, you know, it's it, it's just one of those things. Like, you know, you, not everyone can be pleased by everything. And not everyone should be pleased by everything. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to take what's given to you and go, yeah, this is great. Like, give me more. I like this. Because... You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't accept uh, you know bad decisions, and I think yeah. we as a community are generally pretty good at making games workshop know that no, sometimes there's some really bad decisions that are made. Look at the Votan thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now the way that they approached that was brilliant. Should they have had to have done that in the first place? Probably not. Yeah. But the sheer fact is, is they are paying attention. Eight years ago, they'd have been like, yeah, you're gonna like it. Deal with yeah. it. Which is the completely wrong way of going about things. So they're definitely better. They've got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Pulling it back to, to, to you as a, as a content creator. Yeah, I went off um, on a tangent. Who knew? No, it was a really, really good, good tangent. I, I loved it. Um, have, you, have you got a particular favourite thing about it being your full-time thing? It's a strange question, but 
yeah, it, it's just kind of one one thing that you you really enjoy about being a full time war gamer or content creator. Um, well, I think the sort of the the main thing is 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 uh, my hobby is my job. Um, yeah, you know, and they, they all you know the old adage is you know if you if you enjoy your job, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. Utter nonsense, believe me, we will all tell you that. We wish our job was playing full-time with games. It's it's nowhere close. But I think just what I, I enjoy about it most is is the team we've got. We're such a tight-knit team as a, yeah. a small sort of team that we just work all really well together. And it is it is a pleasure going into work. It really, really is. And, you know, the bad days are bad, but that's like that with any job. But the good days are fantastic, you know. I mean, again, it's that whole thing where you go, yeah, like, I would argue my job is not playing games all the time. But a good chunk of it is, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> now, on the flip side of things, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes which, which people don't sort of quite... It doesn't matter how many times you say it, you don't. People <laughs> just will not understand it. They can't wrap their head around it. I mean, we had... You, you get it all the time. You know, we put up a post. Uh, you know, there was the I think a thing that we put up a few weeks ago. You know, like Katie and, and Beard are you know looking at their cards for a game. That game's still not out yet, and people are like, well, "When's this game coming out?" You, yeah. you posted about it yesterday. It's like, how fast do you think things happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, like so. So to put it into perspective, we will, our day starts at nine and finishes at roughly six o'clock, sometimes later. And if you're playing a game, you'll get one game done just about in that. Yeah, and it will probably overrun because there's a lot that goes on. And then after that, editing probably another twelve to fifteen hours after that. So then, and then you've got to like upload it and you know compress it, yep. fin- finalize all the little things. You know, so it's like one one hour and a half game, maybe hour and forty game is nearly That's 30, to be like a... thirty hours yeah. of work. You know, and, and and across multiple people as well. So then all of a sudden you go. Yeah, there's there's a reason why we don't release games as quick as we do, but it's just it's all the little things which I just I enjoy. Like I say, you know, the the team, the the guys are brilliant. Like we all work so well together, and we, you know we've all known each other for so long now. But it is, you know, they're not work. You know, they're not work. Yeah, friends. we're all really good friends. You know, but just everyone's got their own little sort of quirks and uniqueness. Like, and you can see that like in the editing and like doing the editing is 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 yeah, we're all self taught on the editing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's, there's lots of, you know, sort of, you know, when, when little errors come through and it's funny, you just kind of, damn it, you sort of beat yourself up over it. But, like, when you get to add in, like, the little touches, you know, things like the transphysiology, I think yeah. Beard came up with that. Um, you know, it's just like, yeah, great. You know, it's just one of those things that, like, you know, is so, so you know, I mean, rest in peace, transphysiology. <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it's little things like that where we get to add our own little touch and sort of uniqueness to it. And that, that is really, really enjoyable. As well as you know, playing games for a living, which is yeah. clearly all we do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess Demon Save is the new one. Demon Save, new Demon one. Save is the new one. It seems, yeah. Um, yeah, bit, I yeah. did enjoy that the other day in the what was the video you put out? It was Chaos Space Marines against uh, the Demons no, versus Demons. Grey Knights. Yeah. Demons versus Grey Knights. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was that yeah. was so funny. The amount of times you had to say Demon Save, and that was yeah, do more Demons. That <laughs> just just <for> that. <laughs> Just for the doom and so, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's 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 little things like that, you know, where where like so, sometimes the the strangest thing gets latched onto by the community yeah. or, or by us, and it just it, it kind of goes, and that and that's always fun to see as well. That's 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 a great thing is when something becomes really organic and takes off, you know, like 
Bard's inability to roll well now, or Lawrence's inability to roll badly. <laughs> and yet, like, me and Lawrence have, you know, we've had full-blown arguments about it. I'm just like, all you do is roll sixes, man. He's like, yeah, but have you seen the rest of my dice rolls? Like, because everyone always remembers the time when he rolls three sixes, but they always forget the time where he rolls, like, eight ones. Yeah. You know, or fails, like, to hit with everything. Now, it doesn't happen as often as he likes to make it out. <laughs> it's definitely more on the side of the sixes. But it is, but that's the thing. That's what people latch on to. Yeah. Bard is incredibly unlucky, though. He is. He, he is. Unlucky. But then, but then, on the same time, if if you watch through the league games, the minute you gave him three up saves, he was like, "Yeah, eleven out of twelve, three up saves, done, no problem." <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I mean, you can't kill anything, but nothing dies. Yeah, yeah. So, but but that's always that's always the interesting thing, and 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 because of what we do and the way that games work, is they tell their own stories. Like none of it's yeah. scripted. It's just. You know, and that's that's what makes it really is when you have a really good game and you get to film it and put it out there, and it's like, and everyone's like, "That's a great game!" You know, this moment happens, really cool, so exciting. Like that, that's probably my favorite bit is when you get a really good game and like everyone can enjoy it and like yeah. experience that game with you because like you know, everyone's played those games where you have like the the, the tales that you tell people and. You know, so like, oh, this happened in this game. Oh, it was great. Oh, I remember this game from you know, I remember. A game that I played with a friend, we're probably going back 10 years, if not more. And it was, I want to say it was 5th edition. And the mission was, it was, a, it was a mission called The Relic. Very similar to Servo Skulls in 10th edition. Okay. The objective moved, but it was one objective in the middle. It was the only thing worth points. And you only got points for holding that objective. But you would go onto it, and if you controlled it, you picked it up and moved it away. And I was playing against my friend, and I was just like, we'll use my ethereal model as this relic. And then it just evolved into this, this poor ethereal being chopped between space <laughs> and music. And we, we're both just, it was just like, oh, God, what's going on? <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like with the tiles, like we take very, very careful aim at the scout squad holding it. And he's like, <laughs> Ground. They body slam this ethereal into the ground to protect this <laughs> It's just one of those ridiculous things where you go, because we made it so funny for us, it's something that I remember to this day. Yeah. So by release by doing those games and releasing them out into the wild, as it were, it's now like everyone can sort of we've got that on record and everyone can enjoy it. So it's like everyone can enjoy these games and feel part of these games. Yeah. That that's probably my favourite thing. Yeah. That's wicked. That's really cool. Okay. I I asked Fletcher this, so I'm, I do have to ask you. I'm going to ask anybody that comes on from TT, who is your favourite TT? Myself, obviously. Well, yeah. Okay. I, I am the greatest. Yeah. Um, that's like asking me to choose my favourite child. That's what Fletcher said. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any children, so it's, and neither is he, so that's a weird comment to come for both of us. Um, I don't think there is like a favourite per se, because everyone's so different. Like, Yeah. I think it just depends. Like you know, I mean, I, you know, audience members will always have their favourite. But I mean, I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna go down the politician route and say like, oh, you, I can't, I can't choose on that because there, <laughs> I have no favourites. Uh, you know, everyone is my favourite. You know, but it, I think there's there's something about I think there's something about playing with beards that just I like I, I don't think I've ever had a bad game with it. I mean, I don't I think a bad game with anyone. I try at least I don't think so. I hope I'm not. <laughs> Where they're listening, they're just like, "Well, actually, Jeff, most of our games have been terrible." 
but there's just something about the way that Beard plays the game and approaches the game where he's just like he, he to me is the quintessential 40k player which is like I want to yeah. win but I don't care if I lose as yeah. long as I'm having a good time and as long as we can write a story out of it and like you know sort of you know share a beer afterwards and just have a good time chatting about the game and I think that's something that's like just really aspirational to, to sort of look at I like to think I'm the same but Probably not. I'm sure there's always just going, no, chef, you're just a competitive whack player. I'm like, I can't stand competitive play. Um, it's not for me. If you enjoy it, more power to you. But I prefer to have like a game that I, it's a game. We all want to win it. But I think it's um, the, 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 as long as you have a good game, it shouldn't matter whether you win or lose. And I think that's the, the, the way that Beard approaches the game, which I think is just. Again, not my favourite, but certainly like just a really good way of approaching the game. Because again, we always we always have like different ways of approaching it. Like you know, you want to, you know, if I'm feeling like I want to challenge myself, it'll be playing against Spider. If I feel like I want to beat a puppy into the ground, I'm sorry, Bard, you will be sacrificed <laughs> upon the altar of my dice. But he'll have a good time, so it won't matter. Yeah, no matter what, yeah, he's gonna have a great time. You know, so, and again, that's a brilliant way of approaching the game. You know, like. Katie is, is sort of like a real blend of everyone. Like she, she wants to absolutely crush everyone, but if she's <laughs> losing and having a good time, it doesn't matter. You know, so it's all, yeah, I, I think we all are on a similar wavelength in that regard. So I don't, yeah. I don't think there's like a favorite in terms of like play style because we all just want to play the game and have fun. We yeah. like that that comes across on camera is, is, is sort of the main thing. That's what we're there for is to, yep. to entertain. So yeah, like, like I say, I don't, don't really have a favourite, but that's also not a very fair question, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, but it was a good answer, and it's, it's fairly similar to what Fletch said. So that's it's it's a for me. And again, I said this with Fletch. It's a really good indication of the group that you've got, though, is the fact that kind of like, oh yeah, the, this person's got these really good qualities. They've got really good qualities, and it's like it, when you have conversations with people about like, oh, you work with these people, what do you think? And they go, oh, I I kind of prefer this person. You kind of like, yeah, that's not a great working environment and it's it's a really tough one because obviously when you watch youtube channels and things like that everyone comes across as though they're really happy friendly people but you never really know necessarily what's going on behind whereas the fact that you and fletch have come said basically the same thing and it's really positive it's kind of like yeah it's actually like there is that that really strong bond within the, the sort of the tt crew which is it's really nice because yeah it does it do, it really does come across for me on, on the, the channel with the, the battle reports yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I say, you know, we are, we're all friends. You know, we're friends outside of work. We were friends outside yeah. of work in a way before work. Obviously, Katie and, 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 and James came on as outsiders, as it were. But, you know, it speaks volumes of them that they sort of integrated as yeah. well, you know, with us as well as the community. There's definitely that camaraderie, I suppose. And it, it's yeah. really good that it does come across on camera because at the end of the day, we are just a group of friends that are playing games filming them that happen to do it as our job now yeah um yeah which is you know really really cool but it's it also we, 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 we it's not that we have to be but as a small as a small team if we are you know like if there is like you know some sort of negative like aspect it does it, it will filter it, it will, will have a big effect, it'll, yeah. it'll have an impact on everyone like you know so there's definitely there's definitely aspects of you know like as i said you know like bad days is bad days every job's gonna have bad days you know and I'll, I'll hold my hands up there's been times where i've had some bad days and i've brought the mood down on everyone i am quite miserable 
Uh, I'm not. It is like nine times out of ten, it's a bit. Uh, but I feel like I've gone far too down the rabbit hole now that no one believes me. Uh, I nearly I put it in the intro that you're, you're perhaps the grumpiest person in 40k, but I thought I'd leave it out. I think there's grumpier people. Um, <laughs> they usually lurk in certain corners of the internet. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Face- Facebook normally. Uh, Facebook is, is, it can be quite bad. Uh, yeah, I tend to avoid the social media for the most part. For the most part, like, I'm a lurker, much <laughs> But like, but, but again, it's like even then, like sometimes you sort of like I. I, you know, you don't know when to stop the bit, and then it all of a sudden it comes yeah. across as like negative, like you know, oh, per- I'll, I'll be the first to admit, and I'm sure there's people that will absolutely go, yeah, no, 100. percent Ninth edition really kind of beat me down, like towards mm-hmm. the end of it. I was so excited for ninth edition, I was so happy with like the Necron rules, the Space Marine rules. They came out, and it was like these are really cool. The sisters came out. This seems awesome, and it just kind of over time, and then it kind of went. Like came back up, like Genius of the Cults came out, and they seemed yeah. really good. And the, like when I was saying that knights felt balanced, bear in mind that I <laughs> played, yeah. I was playing forty k when knights were introduced, and they were completely broken, completely broken. People are complaining about knights now. Go back to seventh edition, son. Get on my level. <laughs> you know, like you want to talk about like oh they're the worst thing ever. Yeah, let me tell you about D weapons. Good <laughs> lord. Um, you know the Wraith Knight. <sighs> You know nothing of the Wraith Knight. I was there when Deep Magic was written, witch! <laughs> and it's, you know, so all these sorts of things happen. But I sort of, you know, looking back, and I sort of, I've watched some of the, the league games back, and I go, man, I was not, I was miserable to watch, you know? And I think part of that was, you know, Ninth Edition was kind of like certainly taking its, its toll on me, like from a, uh, a gameplay perspective, you know, because. I I'm a big advocate of the game. Should, the game will never be balanced, but it should be as balanced as it possibly can be. And it wasn't. It it was nowhere near balanced in any way, shape, or form. Tenth um, edition is has certainly its problems, but we're in like I mean, at time of of recording this, late, what, what the game's been out for about three weeks, something like that. Yeah, like it's barely anything. That's gonna happen, yeah. guys. Like we may not like it. It maybe shouldn't have shipped like that, but it did. But eighth did as well. I remember when I was great. Well. There, there was really specific things because they can't test for everything. And I know they like, oh, we've got, they've got all these 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 um, play testers and stuff like that. It's like yeah, but you put it in the hands of someone that's truly competitive, and they will come up with the most ingenious thing, or they'll look at a rule. And the problem with now we've now got is the fact that we've got social media and stuff like that. And then you're like, Mikey's like, this is how you break tenth before yeah. it's even come out. Although the irony is, is Mikey's way of breaking tenth was was as written. And yeah. the way that it was meant to be. So it's like he didn't break the game, he just explained to people how it worked. So actually, he yeah. did a special job for them. Um, but that, and that's, but that's the, what you get. Like, there's just people who understand and read the rules. Yeah. You know, actually, when you combine these, yeah. it does this thing that looks yeah. broken. So, well, actually, technically, that's just the rules. Yeah. But, like it, 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 and, and if it is a broken mechanic, or, you know, a, I always hate like the terms like broken and nerfed. Like, I, 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 I like to go back to sort of the old school terms, you know, like it's beardy. It's a beardy combo, <laughs> yeah. you know, stemming from dwarf players. Yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> but like, you know, so it, it, aspects like that. So like the Wraith Knight with Fate Dice, for example. Now, again, at time of recording, it's been changed. I'm not sure quite what your release schedule is in terms of how many you've got in the bank. To so come this, out. this will be out in about two weeks. Like okay, so I, I can't two imagine. 
I can't imagine much is going to change between now and then in terms of 40k rules. But who knows? They've already released a couple of updates. Yeah. This is the, the price we pay for a living rule set. Everyone's been banging on about getting you know living rule set for ages and ages and ages. They finally get it and they're like, it changes are happening too fast <laughs> or changes aren't happening quick enough. Like, Again, I feel bad for people that work for Games Workshop because you literally cannot please everyone and they never will, yeah. sadly. It's an impossible task, but balancing that many data sheets is an impossible task. League of Legends fails at it and they've got much yeah. less stuff. StarCraft failed at it and they had 30 years to do it. You know, yeah. So there's there's much bigger things. Magic the Gathering, you know, there's lots of stuff out there. If you want a truly balanced game, go play chess. It's not truly balanced because White has their 51% win rate. Yeah. You know, these things can't happen. And in a game as complex as 40k, it's not going to happen. But between now and then, I can't see too much is going to change. So I don't think of it as it's a broken combo. It's just it's a beardy combo. And you can be the change that you want to be. It's like, I don't want Eldar to be to be broken. So like, don't run the Wraith Knight then. Yeah, don't, don't run Just don't, don't run the don't do broken stuff. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, well, like, but if I don't run three Fire Prisms and three support platforms and two Wraith Knights, then I'm, I'm, I'm cheating myself. Are you? You're not. But you're also saying it's broken. So. Yeah, you know, it's, to me, and, and, and again, it's like some people thrive on just going, this is the most powerful, like, build that I can do and I'm going to do it. It's like, good, more power to you. Yeah. As long as your environment is, is the right one for that. And, you know, I've, I've, you know, we've had people say sort of in, in comments on the channel, you know, like, oh, there's a few of us that are just not going to play 10th edition until it's fixed. Great. That, if you're not enjoying it, you shouldn't play it because yeah. you're you're not going to enjoy it. And it's a game, it's a hobby, you should enjoy it and you should get that fun aspect out of it. And I, I remember saying to someone, you know, it's like, there's, there's, there's a difficulty in saying that something is broken and then you also turn around and saying that everyone in my gaming group is running it because we're all hyper-competitive players and go, then you should be thriving on this because that's the challenge, right? Yeah. To me, to, from yeah, an outside perspective, yeah. yeah, what do you I, do to be again, how, how can you do it? Yeah, I don't know your gaming group, so it's sort of that's how it works. Now, on the flip side of things, if you're from a more casual gaming group and someone goes, "I brought two Wraith Knights," and you're going to go, "You're not doing it right, right?" Quote unquote, yeah. because you should know your gaming group and you should know what fits your gaming group and what yeah. your gaming group kind of expects from you. So, um, is it? So uh, he's quite well known in the tournament scene. Um, Sid, Sid, Sidu. Uh, really nice guy. Him and his son Byron, they've been doing stuff in the tournament scene for years. And I actually met him. Uh, he was a local at um, my games workshop back in oh. Stain. Shout out to the Stains Invaders if you're listening. <laughs> and Sid is a, a, a mega competitive player. Really nice guy. He's got like, the biggest smile on his face whilst he smashes you into the dirt. <laughs> um, but eventually he just was like, ah, the Stains game group was a lot more casual. We would go to narrative events. We didn't really have any big tournament play. So Sid and Byron didn't feel like they were being challenged. So they went over to another game group. Not because, you know, they were pushed out or, you know, they felt like they didn't belong, but they were like, well, our enjoyment of the game isn't an issue with your enjoyment of the game. So yeah. it's for the benefit of everyone that we're not going to come down and you go, oh, I'm playing Sid. I've got to bring a really competitive list. And Sid's not going to turn around and go, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, um, you know, sort of try and turn it down or, you know, uh, yeah. So he went, oh, I can't remember which store it was that they went off to, or it was another game group that was more competitively minded. And they thrived because of course yeah. they would. That's, that's where you, that's where, you know, your people are, you know, and you should always try <laughs> and find a game group that's associated. And I realized for a lot of people that's really difficult. Like we've had people before say like, I really want to play the way that you guys play, 
but everyone in my store is hyper competitive and there's no other store for like 100 miles i'm like i, I feel i feel for yeah that. I, and sometimes yeah, I, it sucks like there's, yeah. there's there's not much you can do about that I, you can maybe try and convince people to try and play on your level you can maybe try and elevate yourselves to their level but you may not enjoy it they may not enjoy it and yeah. it's a real hard thing to try and get those things to align so when you find a good game group it's brilliant if you're all on the same level so like with the game in its current state i think it's fine because we're three weeks in and they're already making changes whether they're the right changes or not is a topic of debate <laughs> but the fact that they're doing it at all is much better than it has been yeah, I'm quite sorry about that at the moment. So. The Chaos Knights. The Chaos Knights are a weird one because to me it's they're they're not necessarily the problem because realistically it's the misinterpretation of the re-rolling ones to hit and wound is all re-roll ones to hit and wound. It's not it's not how the rule is written, yeah. fight me. <laughs> you know, and it's not they don't have a feel no pain. And they don't have like the bondsman's abilities and the ability you know, yeah. they do still have to pay for towering. Towering was on the costed. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I sort of, I, I, you know, I've done the maths on a, on a list, uh, and it's like I dropped one wall dog. Okay. Dude, now I was saying, I, I was saying when I played with that list, it's like I felt like I had one wall dog too many. Now I'm like, yeah, this yeah. probably feel alright. So it's like it, it sucks, but this is the price that we pay for balance. Yeah. You could the, go back. The literal to the only reason that I'm salty is because I had a four big knight, so I was going to take an abominant rampager, despoiler. Tyrant, nice. Because so my late local tournament is seventeen fifty points. So we had two. Ah. Points, it was like seventeen fifty on the nose. I was like, yes, I get to play big knights. That's literally now. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to drop a big knight and I have to take some small ones. Yeah. In reality, like actually, it's probably a slightly better list, but I just want to. Uh, and that's and that's the points. irony, isn't it? Is is they they've done that to 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 fix certain things, and that is unfortunately a, a games workshop yeah. special. That is here's a balancing factor, and it will just sort of disseminated down without thinking about the consequences of it but we kind of have to do it in that way because yes. we don't have the time like we've play tested for games workshop before we play tested for, for part of ninth edition and the turnarounds are ridiculous they really are you know so i mean you've also got to remember as well all of this is like outside of like the digital erratas like games workshop still operates on a print model yeah. I don't agree with it. I think it's a really bad way of doing a rule system in the 21st century. But it makes money. Yeah. If it didn't make money, they wouldn't do it. Again, we go back to our conversation 30 minutes ago. <laughs> They're a business. They're there to make yeah. money. If it didn't make money, if codexes didn't sell, they wouldn't make them. But in order to get them to the printers, printers usually have like a six to eight month lead time. So yeah. there's so much that has to happen so far in advance that they don't have the time to, to properly, quote-unquote, test stuff. Um, you know, there's a reason why video games do, like, open betas. Now, if Games Workshop would have come out and said, here's the 10th edition indexes, the indexes are all betas, no one would have cared. They would have been like, yeah. this is brilliant. This is the best thing Games Workshop's ever done. All they had to do was go, here's the indexes, they're all free. It's a beta. When the codexes come out, that's the finalized version. But you're not going to get codexes for like a year. But then people would complain that there's no variety. Yeah. So it's a damned if they do, damned if they don't situation. Like already yeah, you've got absolutely. people going like, we've got to wait over a year for our codex, so we've got to play the same detachment. You go, yeah, no, I'm hoping Games Workshop rectify that by going, here's a digital version of two of the detachments that you will be expecting to see, or at least some variant. Yeah. I mean, like they did uh, back in 8th edition, uh, Bombs of Discipline. 
chuck yes. assault. These were yeah. beta rules. All they yeah. need to do is that again. They go, yeah, cool. In six months' time, they go, right, well, we've got the, what's the roadmap? There's uh, the Space Marines, Nids, Necrons, Admech. And then I think in spring, there was like Chaos Marines, Dark Angels, Orcs, yeah. Power Custodies. So you've got like nine codexes between now and spring. Let's say they get to, um, you know, sort of February time. There's three more codexes to come out. And they've not said what the other guys are. They go, all the codexes that are out, they're out. All the indexes, here's two more detachments for each of them. These are all betas. Let us know your feedback. That's all they have to do. And it can be stuff that's being playtested on, stuff that's already in a codex that's already gone to print that they've just not announced yet and go, yeah. like, feedback on it. Because if there's some broken interaction, we can errata it for day one. Or maybe it's something that they go, look, we've not even written the codex yet, but here's an idea. Let's throw it out yeah. there. If they were just a bit more open with the process, I think people would be a lot more understanding. And you've seen it sort of bandied about a lot with people. Well, you know, the indexes are just, uh, we're just beta testers. Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But we're always going to be in a living rule set, sadly. If games were to just own that, people wouldn't care. Um, but yeah. they seem really hesitant to acknowledge the digital sort of rule sets and, you know, to sort of the 21st century that we live in. Yeah. It's just a really odd decision. And I, I know, I can guarantee you, the rules team despise having to send <laughs> They're just like, you want to make updates like immediately. No, no, you've got to wait six to eight weeks for a PDF to go on to walk on. Really? Oh, man. Okay. Oh, what are we going to do between now and then? I don't know, write another codex because it's going to print in four weeks? Damn it. Okay, fine. You know, do we have to do it right now? Yes, you do. Okay. Um, you know, so it, it must be difficult for those guys as well, for yeah. sure. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's the Chaos Knight thing is, it's, it's annoying. But yeah, weirdly, like you say, it's sort of, they've inadvertently made your list better yeah. by forcing you to take the more yeah. optimal things it's an odd in reality, situation you kind of look at it and go towering was too cheap for what it was yeah and so the, that part of me goes they've done the right thing i'm just like i'm just gutted now i, I want to take big nights yeah i want to take big nights i i was finally ahead of the curve in getting painted yeah. painted models ready yeah. for that and then i'm like oh now i've got to paint two more but yeah. when's the tournament uh, end of July, so that's like twenty. I got time. Something. Yeah, I got I got plenty of time. So yeah. at least they brought it out really early, so I have got time to pivot. But yeah, and hey, again, it's that deadline thing. You, you, yeah. you got yourself a deadline. I was just doing so well for it. Well, <laughs> first time ever. I'm like, yeah, I'm ahead of the deadline. I'm gonna have some time. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, no, no, make some more nights. But yeah. I've just it just changes my list. I'm not I'm not like actually bothered. It's just that thing of like, yeah, I just want to and forward. My mate's like, you've now got a 2,000 point list. I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's true. true, actually. Yeah. yeah. You've got less nights to paint for 2,000 points than you do now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I just have to pay 2,000 points. Silver in the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. We'll leave the community content stuff there. And um, because otherwise we will just end up talking all night. Um, and it's Warhammer. I can talk about Warhammer all night. I apologize. Yeah. No. I've, I've said this many a time. When I first thought about creating this podcast i was like yeah what i'll do is i'll do like half an hour sessions do like a half an hour interview I i've not had a single one that's like below an hour 25 or something yeah. like that everyone yeah. is everyone we all love it we, we love yeah. it we love to talk about what we love yeah exactly and i love it so it's it's great for me but yeah real we'll talk we'll talk real life now okay um, <laughs> it's gonna yeah. get deep you're a person let's not you're not just a warhammer i i am a robot <laughs> yes you are you are a warhammer thing but yeah obviously you sort of said there you, you basically do nine till six probably going over five days a week 
what do you do to get away from Warhammer? Um, so I think like it's a strange one for us because obviously we've got like the website comments, so you, you never and you never really stray off from, yeah. from it. So the I I don't I don't I don't really hobby Warhammer outside of of work. I mean I don't really hobby at Warhammer in work. Otherwise, <laughs> um, I I am slowly starting to get back into the the hobby side of things, like the building the paint. But I've got a lot of a lot of board games which have models and miniatures, which I'm going to uh, okay. uh, mainly because they'll provide double duty for D and D. D is like my next great love. I adore D and D to all get out. Uh, I play D and D with friends back in Surrey over uh, Roll Twenty. Uh, yep. One day we will do season two of the <laughs> channel. Uh, yeah, it will that. happen. It will happen. Because we all love D&D. We, 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 we all love D&D. Well, I mean, I say we all love D&D. James Fletcher and uh, Katie have never played D&D. What? It's the best thing ever. Honestly, crazy. When, yeah. when you get good... Well, I, I think Fletcher has played D&D, but he played it over lockdown through like, like a random uh, pickup group. And okay. he's like, oh, it wasn't very good. I was like, when you get good D&D, yeah. nothing like it. Good role-playing games, nothing like it. Well, whatever it might be. It might be, you know, it might be Gerbs, it might be Vampire, it might be, you know, sort of whatever it might be. When you get good good role playing games, they are just next level. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love doing D and I love like sort of you know just even like it sounds really lame, but like, you know like the prep for D and D. You know, yeah. sort of, I, I like sort of writing and adding to my own campaign setting. You know, I, uh, I play a bit of video games. Um, you know, sort of you know, watch TV. You know, it's, it's standard stuff. I don't play an instrument or anything like that. I'd love to learn, um, you know, and and but I've never really been like an artistic person. Um, so again, it kind of goes back to like the painting side <laughs> of things in a way. Um, I've never really been artistic, which is which is a shame because there's you know like guitar or or piano or violin. You know, there's loads of like fantastic things out there which I, I'd love to do. Um, this is finding the time. It always feels like yeah. you never enough time to do stuff, even when you're not doing stuff. If that yeah. makes sense. But yeah, so I think I think for me, like if I was to say, like, oh, what's your your hobby outside of work? If if Warhammer isn't your hobby, it's probably like it's probably like working on like a D and D setting, a D and D campaign, like writing, storytelling, world building, just just things like that. Nice. Yeah, absolutely love that. Yeah, I so I've not done it in long, basically since I got my two year old. Um, I say got mine. As they you just appeared one day. I just went, went and picked one out of a yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, just, and she stayed too further. Yeah. Yeah. So, so since having my little one, I've, I think I've done it. But yeah, before that, I was I was running two campaigns. So I was a DM in two campaigns. I love D&D and it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I've had a long, I thought for a long time, I spoke to a few people about it, is um, like a Warhammer based D&D one. And so I've not worked on this for, eight, for like a few weeks now, but the idea is you're like each member of Ever Death Watch. Mm. And so then, like your campaign is like uh, you could do like one shots where you're going into like space hawks, or you you're like being sent on a mission to to go and kill a broodlord or something like that, um, and trying to like, trying to use like the D and D rule construct but ported across. So rather than having like a standard humor as the tens across the board or whatever it is, yeah. or eight, is it eights as a standard humor or something like that? I think, I think yeah, I think it, I think it's tens. Like tens across the board is like commoner, you know, like yeah, commoner stats. So tens across the board in in the variant of it would be a bog standard space marine sort of thing, and so instead of having like clerics, you've got like apothecaries, yeah. and you have like 
I don't know, rather than like a barge, you've got like your like a lieutenant going into like a watch captain or something like that to then like inspire the troops. So yeah, that's that's something that I've been working on in the background. Yeah, that's cool. yeah, I, yeah I, I love it, like world building and stuff like that. I absolutely love it. It's it's, it's a lot of fun. I've not yeah. done it in a while, but it's I feel like it stretches a different part of your brain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and Katie's not got you into rock climbing yet. Not yet, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I am not a physical person uh, <laughs> when it comes to like sports or activities. Like I, I used to, I used to do um, like squash and, and some martial arts, but I've, I've, I've not in in many years due to due to injury. Mm. It just has not fixed itself, which just sucks. Um, like to the point where I don't think I can go back to doing stuff like that now because it's yeah. just kind of too late. Yeah, but you know, like. I've started going to the gym again, you know, trying to get healthier that way. I think that's important. Um, yep. As much as I despise it with every fibre of my being. <laughs> I've literally just done the same thing. I had my chat with with Chloe, who's obviously big, big in the gym. And like like two days after that, I was like, right, I'm going back to the gym. And I've been three weeks on the trot and I'm really proud of myself. But I'm like, what? I hate it. It's, it's hard. It. It's hard. Like, I, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, the people that go, yeah, I go to the gym, I get like a rush. I'm like, a rush of what? Pure venom? <laughs> oh, like, oh, I really enjoy going to the gym. As a kiss? I just Why? like, for, for, yeah. but again, it's like, that's what makes everyone different. Like, you've then got yeah. people that are sort of going, you know, like, they go to the gym and they love it. But then on the flip side of it, you've got people that will never set foot in the gym all their lives, but will be perfectly healthy because they do other stuff. Yeah. You know, so like for me, because I'm not, you know, I'm not an active person and it's something that I've always kind of struggled with. I'm, I'm really trying to push myself to go into the gym, like, even if it is just like, like, I have to go to the gym, like, for, you know, 45 minutes. Like, that's really good. It's all it needs to be, doesn't it? I don't need to be there for four hours. <laughs> yeah. Use yeah. every machine in the gym. Yeah, five times. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just, just 40, 45 minutes. That's, you know, just do that twice a week. You know, do it once a week. It's better than nothing. Yeah, you know, and I've been I've been trying really hard on that, but you know, so I I wouldn't call that a hobby. That is more <laughs> of a uh, obligation. Um, but I can understand why people do enjoy it, you know, because it you know going back to what you said with the world building, it kind of clicks on a different part of your brain that's yeah. maybe not active. You know, I mean, you know, endorphins and and you know, sort of all the, all the biochemicals in the brain that make you go oh this feels happy now i tend to feel that after eating a bar of chocolate i don't know about pumping iron at the gym but you know similar principle right yeah but that's something that i've sort of started to get better with over the last few months um but not not as good as i would like so it's it you know every every day is a challenge you know every day is a school day but yeah i mean sort of it's it's a strange one when you think about it because it's sort of there's no real hobbies as such you know like oh you know, i play some video games i wouldn't consider playing video games a hobby but it's what i do for fun to unwind yeah. to, to sort of tone you know to turn my brain off as it were yeah but yeah so i i will i'm getting back into the to the miniature side of things as i say but that'll be sort of predominantly non-gw uh related yeah, uh, mainly because there's there's for me i've always been about building armies like i've always gone right i'm gonna write an army and I'm going to build that army. I'm going to paint that army. Again, I completely understand why some people are like, I've got 95,000 points of orcs. I'm like, you're a maniac. <laughs> but if you really like orcs, hey, look, you really like orcs. Yeah. You know, whereas for me, I've gone, 
this is a 2,000 point list, I'm going to write the list, I'm going to build a list, that's it, done. Now, weirdly, nowadays, that's actually really difficult to do, because back yeah. when I was doing that, it was like, well, here's your codex, that's your codex, that's your codex, that's your points for the next 10 years. Like, yeah. tough. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. We're not <laughs> going to change it. Good games workshop. Nowadays, it's, you know, like, take your Chaos Knights. You know, in the, in the blink of an eye, you've gone from 1750 to nearly 2000. Now, yeah. in some capacity, people would be like, that's great, I've got to do less. But for your circumstance, not so useful. So for me, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to build a 2,000 points list of Harlequins. They suddenly go, yeah, Harlequins are rubbish and we're going to make Star Weavers 20 points. I'm like, I've now got like another 300 points I've got to buy and build so that I've got an army that I can use. And because I do it as my sort of day job, I don't really go to like events or, or stuff like that anymore. I don't need an army as such whereas like the board game type of thing is something that i can one will have double duty for D models but also something that i can go this is really different this is a one yeah. piece that i can paint you know whether it's like a, a giant snake or just a character like and it can it can be used in those circumstances whereas i think my relationship with warhammer has always been yeah the solitaire is a really cool model but without a harlequin army why would i ever buy it yeah. It's a really cool model. I'd love to paint it, but I'm not going to buy it because I'm not going to paint it. Part of the reason why I painted the Slan was because Fletcher was really busy. I've got a Seraphon army. <laughs> I'll paint the Slan. Yeah. It, it, you know, the two sort of tie hand in hand yeah. for me. But if it was a case of, Chef, do you want to paint up this Slan for the, uh, we don't own a Seraphon I'm like, why? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I'm getting back into it, but it'll be for like sort of minor, minor sort of pieces. Mm, okay. I'm bad for that because I've got uh, I've got Mortarion, Magnus, and a Keeper of Secrets just because I love the models. Yeah, curious yeah. about. Yeah, and uh, some people, yeah, the, 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 I I know people that much like yourself. They're like, yeah, I just love the model. I bought it. Are you ever going to run? I mean, no, I have no interest in running demons, but the Keeper of Secrets <laughs> is just a brilliant model. I have yeah. no interest in running Genius of Pulse, but I just really love the Patriarch. You know, stuff like that. And that's great, you know. Again, yeah. it's that, it's, that's what makes our hobbies our hobbies. They're our, they're personal to us. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay, I've got one more question to ask. Okay. And I, and I didn't send this one to you, to you oh. ahead of time because cool. I don't with anybody. But if you could pick one person in the community and they would be the only person that you could play games with for the rest of time, who would it be? In the whole community. Yeah. Anybody it doesn't have to be like a content creator, right? Like it could be someone from your local group or someone that you used to play with a lot in the past, something like that. That's a tough one. <laughs> you know what? I think it'll probably have to be my man Stephen Pardo. Because okay. Pardo's like me, in he wants the game to be good, he wants the game to be balanced, but more more importantly, he wants the game to have a story. We want to have yeah. the game be like on this level where it's like, yeah, like the armies are balanced against each other. But if the rules aren't going to be balanced against each other, that's on us to balance it then. Yeah. Because otherwise we're not going to be able to write like a story or a game or, you know, like to have those moments that make you excited. Like we want to have exciting moments because the moments happened organically, not because, well, I happen to roll this perfect combination of yeah. dice with this particular stratagem. And yeah, and yeah, those moments can lead to absolutely hilarious times, but it doesn't necessarily make it balanced, as it were. So uh, yeah, Pardo's, uh, Pardo's is, I mean, one, like Pardo's just a, a, such a lovely guy to, to sort of hang out with and to, to play games with. 
And weirdly, I think we've only ever played a game like once. Okay. You know, so it's just like, you know, so I'm, I'm putting a lot of pressure on him here to, to live up to my expectations. But it's just, you know, that he, he approaches the game in the same mindset as me, I think, which is, I want the game to be balanced. I want to win because of good generalship, not because I've taken, like, a broken combo or a yeah. stupidly powerful list or I, you know, I mean, it's, I've met a chase, you know, I mean, it's, you know, something that I, I, I've never quite understood with, like tournament play and stuff is like because to me again and this is a personal thing if you, you people enjoy the game how they want but to me it's like if i'm going to a tournament let's say i win that tournament i want to win that tournament because i've taken the army that i want to take play the yeah. way that i want to play and i've won because i'm a good general not because two weeks ago i got a commission painted to do a harlequin army for me back when they were busted or yeah. four months before that i was running dark angels or two weeks before that, I was running Admech. You know, I think it's just approaching the game from a like that kind of a mindset of if you want to win by just using the best things, great, more power to you. But I want to win by being the best, not using the best. Yeah. And there's more of a challenge to it in using something that's like considered subpar or suboptimal or anything like that. And I know, I know Parlo sort of thinks the same way. He wants to use what he loves to use. Mm. Like, you know, good or bad, he wants to use that. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's a game. We all want to win. We all want to do well with what we've got. But at the same time, it's definitely a thing that we want to do well. Mm. Yeah. Whilst also it being a balanced experience. So, yeah, I, I think it'll probably, it'll probably have to be, it'll probably have to be Pardo. Bless him. He won't have, I mean, he won't have any time to play at the moment because he's, he's, um, he's just <laughs> yeah. his wife's just given birth. So Manzi's busy. Oh, whilst he was running a no retreat, no less. Uh, yeah, I did think that when when it popped up on his Instagram, I was like, what? "Wait, what? Yeah, There's that's... three people over in Gibraltar, and you're doing all of that, and you've got a child now. What? What's happened here?" <laughs> yeah, no, because it, it, I mean, he he obviously they had the due date because he was messaging me, and he was like, "Mike." He's, do we think Temp's going to come out in June? And I was like, I mean, probably. <laughs> He's like, my wife's going to give birth in June. And I was like, well, you might you might have more important things than a new edition of 40K to worry about, mate. But yeah, to, I mean, to, to happen at no retreat, I mean, that's just perfect timing. That child knew what it was doing. Yeah. <laughs> they like, waited no, for that. Yeah. My attention on me now, please. <laughs> yeah. That was it. That was my my last question. I really, really appreciate it. Tom. I've had a great, great time chatting through all of this and sort of I mean, hearing yeah. about you. It's... It has mostly been me, and for that, I apologise. But no one should be surprised, quite frankly. It's the point <laughs> of the show. If, if that didn't happen, then it'd be more of me. And I. That's not why I set up the show. I set up the show to to listen to other people talk about their stories. So yeah, right. well, so yeah. I... Yeah, no, thanks very much for having me. It's, um, yeah, like, like I say, it's, it's, chat about Warhammer and 40k and stuff is, is, could do it any day of the week until <laughs> the cows come home, case in point. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, it's just, again, it's something that we all love. I, you know, yeah. I presume that if people are listening to this, it's because they love the hobby as well or are in the hobby, you know. Yeah, I would assume so. <laughs> keep doing what you love, you know, and, you know, be passionate about it. You know, I know I am, much to everyone else's hatred, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I say, really appreciate you coming on. And if anybody's listening somehow is, does not know where you can find Chef, you can go, go over on Instagram. You've got your TT underscore pastry chef. Yeah, that's my personal one. Yeah, they will. it's yeah. mostly cats and, and food. 
which is great. That's the perfect thing to go with Warhammer. That's Instagram, that's to be fair. That's what Instagram yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then obviously Tabletop Tactics everywhere. And I will put all the links in to, to the Cows Come Home. Um, I know that Katie even set up a threads. So this is really going to date the, the podcast. Katie set up your threads today. Yeah. But the, is that Twitter for Instagram or Instagram for Twitter? One of the ways around it. I, I, I don't, don't I don't do social media as as anyone that does follow me on Instagram knows is like you're lucky if you get a post once every <laughs> every year. Yeah, i i basically I basically only use Instagram for this, and I've made it threads to see what it's about, and it's chaos at the moment. So I'm enjoying the enjoying the chaos. So. Much like tenth edition, new things are uh, strange and frightening. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But I would be amazed if anybody that listened to this and didn't know Tabletop Tech where to find them, but I will put all the links in the description of the, the, the podcast. So obviously go and follow Tabletop Tactics. It's incredible. Go and join the on demand and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's well worth it. There's a lot lot of value to that to that money, that's for sure. Thanks for your support and uh, thanks very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure, Ben. Yeah, that's quite right. Um, and yeah, I hope everyone else enjoyed today's show. And, and as always, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, if you did enjoy it, please subscribe or leave a review sort of wherever you found it. Feel free to get in touch with me. I love it when people come and come and chat with me on threads now as well. But yeah, uh, Instagram and threads, first, first from fire podcast, come, come and find me, have a chat. Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.